T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning, everybody. Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley, along with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now for a fast three hours of radio. Mike, how are you? Nope. I, I need to Mike. be on. I apologize. There you go. She said I got nervous there. No, 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 no. I'm here, Glenn. Good to, good to be with you, and uh, apologize for the uh, sloppy opening right. there. All right. Uh, we are actually not in the same room. Mike is in the studio. I am not. Uh, for those who haven't heard, I got COVID last week. I am on day 10, so just about ready to get out of the basement man cave where I have lived since last Friday. Uh, it, it hit me very easy. Thank God for the vaccines. A little bit of a thin voice, a little bit of a sore throat, but I am good. So, Mike Sealski. Glenn two, now. Yes, two big stories as we start. Tomorrow, Eagles-Giants, a win or a tie, clinches a playoff spot. Of course, that's just the first goal of many. So sometimes it looks too easy because maybe it's just too easy, and I am going to go out on a limb now, and at <clears throat> excuse me, at the risk of looking foolish in about thirty hours, Mike, I think the Eagles are going to blow them out tomorrow. You know, Glenn, it's hard to say that I think, given the way that the Eagles played last week. Right? They were so good against the Titans in a game. That so many people, including you and me and Ray Dittinger and, as I said, a lot of other people thought would be really close, that it makes you hesitate to say, oh, okay, well, they're going to blow out the Giants again. So I get where you're coming from. But, man, I really like this matchup on paper. Um, I know this is a must-win game for the Giants. I know that there's a lot at stake for them. But just looking at it kind of from an intellectual standpoint, the Eagles really should win this game and should win it pretty easily. Yep. What's the spread is now seven last I looked? Yeah, I That's think so. Kind of six and a half, seven and a half, right in there. I, I, I mean, we'll give our predictions, our official predictions later. And <clears throat> listen, I've been wrong before. I could be wrong again, but I just I think they're going to blow them out. I think it's going to be an easy game. And the number one reason, Mike, is I think the Eagles offense has just been unstoppable in the last two weeks. I don't see that changing. Jalen Hurts, who, I mean, we can't talk about enough. All his all of his numbers are astounding. Uh, Twenty touchdown passes to three interceptions. Leads NFL quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns with nine. Leads NFL quarterbacks in passing rating at one hundred and eight point three. We didn't see that coming. And later we're going to deep dive into a column that you've got. I think just came out today. Yes. Uh, which says that this is one of the ten best seasons ever by an Eagles quarterback. And. I got to say, going into the season, I had some optimism that he would be good and prove himself the answer. 
but I don't think any of us saw this thing coming. No, I don't think anybody did. And I think it's a testament uh, to the power of an individual athlete's willingness to improve himself. And that's something that you can never quantify in any regard. You never quite know how much an athlete is going to invest in getting better and how great those strides will be once he starts making them. And I think based on his performance last season, people looked at Hurts and said, okay, he can certainly get better and he's going to need to get better if the Eagles are going to get better. But how much can he really improve? Uh, There seemed to be shortcomings that just kind of were intrinsic to him. He would throw the ball late. Uh, He didn't throw the ball over the middle very much. All those sorts of things that we spent a year kind of going over and rehashing. And now you look at his performance and you see the improvements, obviously, that they've made in the roster. You add A.J. Brown. You still have the greatest offensive line in the league. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts just projects this kind of sense of calm excellence every single week. I said this earlier this week on Angelo's show, Glenn. He just doesn't do dumb stuff. No. There's never a moment where you're watching him. Like, last week was a perfect example of this. There was no throw that he made where he went, oh, boy, that was almost intercepted, or, boy, that was ill-advised. Those those plays just don't happen. And I think that separates him from a number of quarterbacks who have come through here over time, including one we're going to talk about later in the show. <laughs> yeah, just, we, we will get into this later. It's actually going to be a pretty big focus of the show. Today is the fifth anniversary of that day, that game. At Los Angeles against the Rams, which changed the franchise in so many ways and led to so much. We're going to deep dive into that later as our Shibe Sports Moment of the Week. So tomorrow, Hertz goes against, the Eagles go against, a Giants defense that's mediocre and getting worse by the week. Again, just some of the numbers. They're 18th against the pass. They're 26th against the run. They allow 5.1 yards per rushing attempt, third worst in the NFL. Um... You talked about, we talked about Jalen Hurts has only three interceptions this year. The Giants' defense has only gotten four. They are banged up by injuries. They have the third most games lost by injury this season and more, including we don't know if Saquon Barkley is going to play tomorrow. He's got a neck issue and how effective he is going to be. Um, And that's their whole game. The Giants, if if the Giants have any chance of winning, what they do is they like to – they slow the game down. They keep the ball on the ground. It's kind of like what Tennessee mm-hmm. tried, was unable to do last week. If Daniel Jones needs to throw 35, 40 times tomorrow, the Giants are in big trouble. And Saquon Barkley is, as we say, hurt, may have been hurt for a while. The last three weeks, he's only got 124 rushing yards, less than three yards per carry. He's on the injury report. I mean, I know that when it looks too easy, it's not that easy, but I just, Mike, I don't see anything tomorrow. Again, somebody's going to save this cut and use it against me down the road. <laughs> I mean, you know, right? Because we're always afraid you exactly. don't want to step out too far on a limb because you can look stupid. I've looked stupid a lot over the last 29 years. I don't mind looking stupid again. I just, I see the Eagles running away with it tomorrow. I, I kind of do too, Glenn, and there are two things to kind of build on what you just said. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Jones, right? So much of the Giants' offense, when it comes to Jones in particular, is predicated on play-action passing. That's where Jones is at his strongest. You know, have him bootleg, kind of widen the the defense by spreading the Giants' offense out. And, and Jones is mo- mobile enough that you can do that. Well, 
if you don't have Saquon Barkley and you can't run the ball, then you're going to have to rely on Daniel Jones just dropping back and trying to pick that Eagles defense apart, and you're teeing him up to uh, have that Eagles pass rush go after him. So that doesn't bode well for the Giants. bodes very well for the Eagles. The other thing is, I think the the stat that you just mentioned, the fact that the Giants have only four interceptions this season, is really telling about their defense because their defense and their coordinator, uh, Wayne Martindale, blitz more than any team in the NFL. And it's by a wide margin. They blitz basically on 41% of all their snaps. So if they're coming all the time and they still can't generate turnovers, you know, what chance do they have against an offense that's as versatile as the Eagles? If if they are getting after Hurts and rushing him, okay, then the Eagles will just run the ball, give it to Miles Sanders, have Hurts run out of the the read option or the the RPOs and those sorts of things. And, And that's the great part about the way the Eagles have built this team is they can kind of answer whatever problem that a defense might present to them. All right, so we both kind of played our hand in how we look at this game. The only flip side I'll say is it's it's really a must-win for the Giants. They yeah. have not won a game in the division. After this, they go on the road to Washington, then Minnesota, which are going to be two tough games for them. So they really need this one. It's not exactly a must-win for the Eagles. However, the Eagles are on the road three straight weeks you got the Giants, then you're at Chicago, then you're at Dallas. If they win the first two, the Dallas game really become, I don't want to say unimportant, but certainly far less important. So it's a big game, uh, and we both like it. Um, we both certainly both like the Eagles. Let me get uh, – we're going to switch to the Phillies in a sure. minute, but Dennis in Springfield wants to talk a little bit about the Eagles. Dennis, what's on your mind? Uh, Glenn, first of all, I would just like to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for putting out there what is obvious to everyone. I mean, it's bad enough listening to the lack of respect from the national media, but when you hear local people worried, uh, it's an important game that the Giants do this. We Eagles go out play their game. This we're looking at like thirty-five to fourteen, thirteen. Yep. And 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 it's so. And you're not being a homer if you say that. If you have the best team and you have the best quarterback, you, you can be objective and still pick the Eagles or blow a team out. And I'm just glad you said it. I'm glad Mike's on board with you because it, the rest of it really gets frustrating hearing, like, not the doomsayers, but the, the worry warts, for lack of a better word. Well, I think people are giving we're, you their we're, honest we're, opinion. We're worried about how they're going to lose. Dennis, I think people are giving you their honest opinion. And, and last week I didn't foresee what happened, but this just objectively is how I feel about it. So what do you have on Jalen Hurts? Well, Jalen, I mean, he's, to me, he's, he's the MVP. And, and people will say that, you know, Mahomes is the MVP. Cause, and it's funny because now Mahomes is working with less but if you if you remove if you remove Kelsey from that offense, I don't think uh, Mahomes' numbers are nearly what they are, and and it's okay to have a good team around you and still be the MVP. You know they're not mutually exclusive. The MVP every year isn't who does more with less. It's who's the yeah. best player. I think it's and thanks. I think it's a toss up right now between the two of those guys and whatever five <laughs> games to play will kind of decide which way that goes. All right, Mike, let us get into what I thought was a great week. I'm feeling, uh, uh, COVID aside, I'm feeling great. I week. was going to say, Glenn, you are you are buoyant, <laughs> even though the, uh, the virus has uh, wrecked havoc yeah. with your week. Yeah, mostly my voice right now. But anyway, what a glorious week for the Phillies. This team, 
that was in the World Series, maybe having the best offseason in baseball, signed Trey Turner this week, who adds speed and power and on base and defense and gives him another way to score runs. And I think the rule changes are going to help even mm-hmm. even make him more valuable. Puts the ball in play, which is vital. Yes. Um, I like how they pulled Taiwan Walker away from the Mets. I think he's a real solid three, three, four, fits in behind Wheeler Nola, maybe with Ranger Suarez. They added a lefty in the pen. I mean, that's not a big deal, but it's it's something. So give me kind of your thoughts on the week the Phillies just had. A terrific week. And emblematic, I think, of the way that John Middleton, as the managing partner of the franchise, has wanted to operate, has always tried to operate, uh, and finally is getting the opportunity to do this. You know, Glenn, the story's been repeated uh, a million times since uh, I reported it back in 2009, but I was there to see him tell Ryan Howard, you know, we want to get our bleeping trophy back after the 2009 World Series and the loss to the Yankees that year. And I think Middleton has spent, you know, the better part of 13 years trying to figure out what's the best way to do that. You know, they, they spent bad money after good money in the aftermath of that, uh, that world series. You know, they got old fast and tried to hang on to the Rollins, Utley, Howard years. And yeah. Tr- Ruben tried to keep it together. Yeah. And they tried long, but yeah, I, I right. Yeah. And they tried to rebuild, uh, in the in the name of replenishing the farm system and learning more about analytics and all this stuff, I think this is where John Middleton is most comfortable. Uh, my colleague at the Inquirer, Scott Lauber, had a piece this week that's that's echoed what I think a lot of people have come around to understanding, which is that John Middleton really is the Philadelphia answer to George Steinbrenner. He is John Hammond in Jurassic Park. He is going to spare no expense <laughs> when it comes to— Wait, is that your line or is that Lauber's line? Uh, the, my line about John Hammond. Um, I love that one. <laughs> um, when it comes to getting the Phillies back in the World Series. And and this, this week was right in his wheelhouse in terms of being able to get these kinds of players. Uh, he He runs the Phillies as if— a fan were running the Phillies, and John Middleton grew up as a fan of the Phillies. So this shouldn't be surprising to a great degree. It is so great to have to be a sports fan, to be somebody in the business in a city where you're the destination city now. Right. And that has gone up and down over past years, right? I mean, I remember when it was the Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay era, and those guys were just coming and uh, and and it was it was just great. I think Jim Tomei kind of kicked that all off. Of hey, they like us, they really like us, and now we are that. And by the way, I know it was a trade for AJ Brown, but it's kind of the same thing with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. It's a destination. Your franchise is the one that people want to play for, and it is so much fun and so refreshing, particularly in a city like ours, which has had an inferiority complex for about 290 years. <laughs> Give I or mean, take. Go, well, I mean, going back to when, like, well, I guess 250 years, going back to when, like, no, nah, you're not going to be the captain. Right. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's like, damn. And we don't get the free agents. But now we do. We're yes. not going to get the capital. That's okay. But we're going to get the free agents. Does the length of the Trey Turner deal scare you? Uh, he's here till what, nine years I think 11 years. 11 years, yeah. 11 so he'll years, be 40 when the, when the contract expires. It, right. It's the cost uh, of doing business, Glenn. You, yeah, you're, I agree. You're not paying for 11 years of Trey Turner. You're basically paying for five or six, yep. where you hope that that's his prime and you can win a World Series or two in that time frame. You did the same thing with Bryce Harper. The other thing, too, is I, I know it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around the length and value of these contracts, 
But this is market value. Uh, maybe even a little less than that in the case of Trey Turner, who turned down more money from the San Diego Padres. A mere $40 million. Yeah, you know, chump change. Uh, to come play for the Phillies because he felt more comfortable here, an East Coast guy, friendship with Bryce Harper. And I think, too, I think John Johnson pointed this out this week, I don't think you can underestimate the effect of watching the enthusiasm that Uh, Philadelphia sports fans and Phillies fans had for this team during the playoffs. That environment, that, that atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park, We said it at the time, was different from every other ballpark in Major League Baseball, and you can't tell me Trey Turner didn't notice that. Well, you may be giving John Johnson credit for that (laughs) idea. However— I'm usually opposed to such things, but— Let the record—no, John is great. But let the record reflect that uh, on the night that he signed, I tweeted, it is cigar money that is paying for these players, but it is the enthusiasm— Actually, we have a picture of the ballpark, and I said it is this enthusiasm— that propelled the owner to spend it. Uh, and I really think that's true. And I do think that the fans um, do get a lot of credit in this. It was an amazing atmosphere in a city where baseball has been kind of dormant mm-hmm. since 2012. It roared back, and it roared back, as you suggested, and I guess John Johnson did, in a way that everybody noticed, and it became a big part of what's going on. So good times. Um, let me grab another call. Not so good for the other franchises. We'll work them in as well. We'll Chris in that. Newark is with us. Hello, Chris. Hello, fellas. Uh, before I get to my Phillies point, I will say that on Monday morning, December 11th, I will never forget what Angelo said in his wonderful Angelo way. Why can't we have nice things? <laughs> You're talking about five years ago, Chris, after yeah, uh, yeah. The, the Eagles game against I'll, the Rams? I will never forget him saying that. It was it was amazing. It was perfect. But – uh, I will never need uh, any other reminder of that anniversary five years ago today because I decided after that game to make my own nice thing. And my girlfriend and I were watching the game together, and she didn't know football really. But, you know, I explained to her, oh, man, this is awful, Carson Wentz. Now, now we're not going to win the Super Bowl. So I decided to propose marriage to her, and she accepted. So I will never ah, forget wow. December 10th. December you you 10th. know how to brighten a day, Chris. Way to go. Yeah, it, it was it was on the it was on the agenda for that day anyway. So I was going to say, if Wentz think. doesn't get hurt, you're still a single man. <laughs> no, no, it, it was the Lord's will. I think you know that's a really wonderful thing. Anyway, I never want to see Carl Kyle Schwarber's name in the lineup other than four or five ever again because with this signing, uh, it's changed everything. It's changed everything about the lineup. There's no longer a need for Kyle Schwarber to be the leadoff batter. It changes everything. I mean, we have a legit leadoff batter, and and I'm 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 comforted because Rob Thompson kind of said that well we're going to need probably to put him in a production spot until at least until Bryce Harper gets back. So hopefully he will, you know, he will just stick there because so it, you know, interesting point you bring up. And later uh, we actually Mike and I scheduled in later we are going to give each other our perspective Phillies batting order. Uh, both of us having not we have not shared it with each other. Right. Uh, but I will say, Mike, just to his point, I do not have Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot. Do you? I do not. But I will say this, Glenn. It, it still kind of mystifies me the revulsion, <laughs> the reaction that people have to the idea of Schwarber in the leadoff spot. Did, did, did people memory hole all the couple of leadoff homers that he hit during the playoffs and the the juice and the momentum and the leads that that provided I, to I the agree. Phillies? I thought I agree with everything you just said. 
And also, we were talking about moving forward, but looking at it last year, there weren't a lot of great alternatives to it. Right, exactly. And so it worked. It got them to Game 6 of the World Series, and as you said, got them to Game 6 of the World Series in part because he did hit productively out of that spot. Now, you don't have to, but I think... I think there's a general kind of old school revulsion oh, to sure. a guy who would have hit 218 this year, sure. being in the one spot. Well, again, we're going to go over that later and give our how we would do it moving ahead. All right, last thing I do want to bring up in the open: the Sixers won last night, although it sure didn't feel like it. Ugh. They 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 commit. I think it was seven turnovers down the stretch they blow a 16 point lead glenn, glenn at home to the lakers forget 16 point lead in general yeah, late, they, yeah they blew a nine point lead in less than 30 seconds in the I final know. 30 seconds of regulation that's hard to do in an empty gymnasium let alone <laughs> against a, another nba team i mean and, it's crazy and and we're lucky they didn't lose it in regulation, because the Lakers couldn't make a couple right. of uh, clutch free throws down uh, down toward the end. Uh, great game by DeAnthony Melton, who the Lakers decided not to cover. I, I mean, I, I just don't know what to make of the Sixers other than they're just completely infuriating. Yeah, they're, they seem to be less than the sum of their parts. Uh, and there's some obvious weaknesses there, and we can get into this later in the show, um, whether you're talking about the bench, whether you're talking about the backup center, whether you're talking about... James Harden, and I would argue, too, is as great as he has been and can be, Joel Embiid. Uh, I wrote about this this week that I think there's a level that he still needs to get to. As as great as he is, as wonderful as a player as he is, um, he's a notch below what we see throughout the league in, in guys like Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James in his prime. And it's just, as you said, infuriating to watch this team. All right, so here's what we got. First of all, top caller of the day gets a $50 gift card. Shop Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Shop their Center City or Wayne locations or check them out at shopsports.com for unique gifts for every sports fan on your list. Um, we are going to talk about all of these teams and everything that is going on. We are going to later kind of discuss the fifth year anniversary of that fateful game in Los Angeles where Carson Wentz got hurt. Oh, by the way, the Flyers scored one goal yesterday. So we got that going for Ticker us. Ticker tape parade. Yeah. And uh, coming up, though, Mike, you know those scenes in professional wrestling where the guy comes out of the coffin and everybody thinks he's got nothing <laughs> left, and yet he does? I'm that guy. So there is life in the stupid football bet. We'll explain that. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on a Saturday morning. Hey, United Tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of their best tires at the very best prices now. Make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get better from here, so if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United. Hi, Mike Sealski. One of the things that you inherited from Ray Didinger in this spot was the being my pro- great sense of fashion style. <laughs> yeah, if you can if you can find khakis to wear every day, then you're in. My photographic memory of Eagles games from 1966. Uh, probably not. No, I wasn't alive then. So 
You're a protagonist in the stupid football bet. Which oh, we decided yes. to keep going, and we made one this year that I actually thought had some sense to it. Uh, essentially, you get point. It's it's a return game stupid football bet. Very mm-hmm. stupid. <laughs> you get points for muffed punt returns and terrible field position on kickoffs, basically. I get them for punt returns of 20-plus or an Eagles kickoff return that goes out to the 40 and beyond. The score up till now was 6-1 to one favor of the fight in Sealskis. Um, in fact, we hadn't really had any change in a while. Right. The only point I got all year was because I forget which game it was. The kicker kicked it out of bounds. Yes. So I got a point. That yes. Was, was and I saw the $100 bill you slipped him after that game, too. Yeah. That was it. However... 11 games into his rookie season, Britton Covey had not a single punt return over 15 yards. Thus, no points for me. But last Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, there was this. Back is Covey. Covey takes it. Covey looks for running room. Comes up the middle to the 30, up to the 40, up to the 44-yard line. Britton Covey with a good return, a 51-yard punt, a 21-yard return. It's a soaring punt. Backing up is Covey. Covey takes it, starts up the middle of the field. He's at the 30. He's at the 35. He's at the 40, 45, and he's run out of bounds at midfield. That's a 27-yard punt return. Covey looks up, backs up, takes it at the 12, starts up the right side. He's across the 20. He's across the 30. He's across the 35, and he's up to the 38. Britton Covey, this is your day. <laughs> I love, I love Merrill so much. <laughs> oh, God, I love Merrill so much. He is such a treasure. So, Mike, I have no idea what got into Britton Covey or special teams coach Mike Clay or the return game, but I am delighted to take it. So now 6-1 to one in favor. You become 6-4. to four. I have life. Anyway, can yeah. you, do you have any idea how it is that this team can have zero punt returns through the first 11 games and then get three long ones last Sunday. Yeah, I do have an idea, and it is it comes down to a guy named Ryan Stonehouse. Ryan Stonehouse is the Titans punter. He's in his first season with them, and he leads the NFL in average per punt. He punts the ball longer than anybody else, and I made a reference in the previous segment to the idea of you know, the Sixers being in the gym by themselves or the Lakers being in a basketball gym by themselves. The way Stonehouse punted that ball last week, Covey might have been on the football field by himself. There was no way for the Titans to get down that far that fast to cover those punts. If you go back and watch, Covey's got tons of room to run. Stonehouse outkicks his coverage every single time. And as a result, I feel like the announcer at the end of the Karate Kid who says, what, Daniel LaRusso's going to fight? Like, you're making your comeback now. You're, you're, you're Daniel, you know, heading into I the am. ring against Johnny and the Cobra Kai. And, I... you know, it's, it's distressing to say the least. Well, distressing for you. So if I infer correctly, you are suggesting that this was a one-game aberration and not something that the Eagles special teams came up with. I think – the Eagles special teams was better all around uh, against the Titans. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think somebody got to Covey and just said, hey, catch the ball and run forward, uh, which he should have been doing for a while. And 
Yeah, look, they were better. And if you're an Eagles fan, you have to hope that this is the beginning of kind of a turnaround on special teams because as you and I have discussed, Glenn, it has been the Achilles heel of an 11-1 and team all season. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is. And it's a thing that we kept saying, this could kill them, this could kill them, this could kill them. It was good all around. It was good on coverage. It was good on returns. It was really something to see. I kept waiting for the news conferences from the coaches during the week. I was hoping for some illumination, and, and they, they tell you nothing. I mean, no. I get it. I, I You know, they, they don't want to tell you anything. Nick used to be a guy who was kind of an open book, and now he's learned. He'll talk at length, but he'll say nothing. Yes. Uh, very pleasant guy, but he's not going to give anything away. Uh, and maybe they've solved it. If they have, that was the Achilles heel. I thought it kept Green Bay in the game for way too long the oh, week before, right? Yeah. Um, Arizona, I think Arizona was the game where a fake punt kept that one closer than mm-hmm. it needed to be. And maybe now they've solved it. And, yeah, I, listen, I don't expect three 20-plus yard punt returns every week. But if I get three more during the rest of the season, no fumbles. Play, play the Rocky music. Uh, dinner on Sealski. The comeback. Tra- Glenn Mack now on the comeback trail. <laughs> anyway, it was nice to see. It is. It's, it makes it more fun. It does. You know, I, I pulled my starters. Uh, I, I put the backups <laughs> in there for a few weeks. And now. It was garbage time yeah, in November. Yeah, now we got to have it. All right. I, I, you know, I've had enough of this stuff. Let's let's stretch the lead back out again. So oh, there you go. All right. John and Maniunk is with us. Hey there, John. Hey, Glenn. I don't think Silski will get this, but uh, you mentioned Wink Martindale. Didn't he host Tic-Tac-Doe back Tic-tac, in the day? Tic-Tac, a great game show. Don't tell me I wouldn't get that, John. I used to love Tic-Tac-Doe. Oh, I wasn't sure you were alive then. Oh, Mike <laughs> spent a lot of time skipping out of high school to watch that stuff. No, that was when I was a, a young pup. I was eight or nine years old when that was on TV. Ah, there you go. There you go. I was going to talk about uh, Jalen Hurts' contract, but I just changed my mind. I was just thinking about the three miracles at the Meadowlands. Yeah. And my favorite was uh, Deshaun Jackson. He fumbles the punt. And my favorite thing was seeing Tom Coughlin's face all (laughs) dark red (laughs) going after that punter. I I think they fired the punter after that. uh, He throws down his clipboard in disgust and he runs over to the punter and he is all red. Yeah, that was, I believe, it was a couple of years ago. That was voted like one of the 10 greatest plays or greatest finishes in the history of the NFL. And it was. Uh, I was there for several of those great ones. I was there for the Vice. Uh, it wasn't one of the miracle of the Meadowlands, but Vice Hema mm-hmm. punching the goalpost on that punt return. I was there for that. I was there way back when, when the Eagles are driving back to win a game, try to kick a field goal, it gets blocked, and Clyde, Clyde Simmons, Simmons picks it up and runs it in. I was there for that. Yeah, those are great games. And John, I don't need that drama tomorrow. I'm just looking for a nice blowout. Yeah, I think when Ray was on, I think, didn't he say he was in the end zone for the first one? He was uh, back there, like, going to Oh, he was, the- yes, mm-hmm. for the Herm Edwards one. Ray had gone down from the press box and was standing in the end zone. He said Herm Edwards ran right to him. I mean, not yeah. to, it's not like Herm saw Ray, <laughs> but Herm Edwards ran it back right at Ray, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Just they're win, great. Right? Yeah, what, is, what do you have on the Hurts contract? we got time. Oh, well, no, uh, no big deal. I'm always thinking ahead, not trying to be negadelphia neg- here, but um, I think uh, – well, uh, he's, I think he might get an MVP. And, like, if you give your quarterback $50 million a year, we get all these free agents, you see, like, the Broncos with, uh, and, uh, you know, it's and like. Russell Wilson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Russell Wilson. It just worries me about, like, because uh, you, you can't sign other players. I mean, he deserves his money. He's playing great. Mike, we, we, we've discussed this a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm becoming more and more convinced that 
not that the window closes, but this is the most open the window will be because the James Bradbury's, Kaiser White's, I, I don't know, you know, about the running back. It's like so many positions next year that they may be strapped because they will have to give yeah. Jalen Hurts this contract that he has earned. Yeah, and John mentioned Russell Wilson, which is an interesting comparison because even though Wilson is has this incredibly large contract and is playing terribly, the Broncos still around him are pretty good. Like, their defense is really, really good. If Russell Wilson were playing at the level that people expect Russell Wilson to play at, and maybe if they had a different head coach, the Broncos, you wouldn't be looking at the Broncos and saying, that's a wasted contract. You'd be looking at them and saying, oh, okay, well, there's an example of signing a quarterback um, and having him, let me put it this way. It's not as if signing Wilson to that contract prevented them from building a terrific defense. They have a terrific defense. Yes, yeah, he's the problem. He's right. the problem. Yeah, he's kind of cooked, and that's a whole different story than a young quarterback right. just reaching his prime. Um, and and they will have to pay him, and they're probably going to have to pay him as much as any quarterback has ever made. I don't know what Mahomes makes, but based off this season, are you going to be able to argue paying Hurts less than that? No. Right. No. I mean, the market value just keeps going up and up and up. And it'll be Patrick Mahomes and his agents, you know, problem to try to renegotiate <laughs> if uh, if they want to do that. But no, you can't blame Jalen Hurts for wanting to get as much money as he can possibly get. I think I'm not the first person to say this, but I've really become more convinced that the trick in the NFL is building a team that is ready to win on your quarterback's first contract. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because once he gets to the second contract, then you have to figure out how to scrimp and save around him. Now, I think Howie Roseman was probably going to be as good at that cap management as anybody, but he can't just create money out of nowhere. He can't spin gold. And so now, again, I don't want to say it's imperative the Eagles win this year because if they don't, they'll never win. But this may be the best chance they have. Yeah, I I think that's 100% accurate, Glenn. I think we saw it five years ago. In 2017, I've made this point before. As great as Carson Wentz was that season, uh, the big reason to me they won the Super Bowl that year was because he was great and he didn't cost them a lot of money under the salary cap. And you go out and get Alshon Jeffrey and Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt and Torrey Smith and any number of players who Howie Roseman was able to add that season because he had the salary cap space to do it. There's so many similarities between yeah. this team and that, which we will, as I said, we'll deep dive into that right at 11 o'clock. We will take your calls. Up to then and certainly beyond, we will be here until 1, 215-592-9494. Hey, is your home in need of new windows and doors, but you've decided to brave through one more cold season before making the plunge? Well, let me tell you why acting now will not only keep your family feeling warm all winter long while lowering your high heating bills, but also save you big bucks with the big end-of-the-year sale from the great people at Guided Door and Window. Now, Guided is bringing back the biggest discounts of the year. Receive 40% off each window you buy. You have 40% off every professionally installed window. You'll also receive 40% off any door, including entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And don't worry about touching your holiday money because Guided will start your project with no money down and allow you to pay it off interest-free for up to 12 months. If you need new windows and doors, you need to go guide her right now. Take advantage of the huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires December 31st. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. 
With Mike Sierski, I'm Glenn Mack now. Big week in Philadelphia sports. The Phillies sign, I don't know, arguably the best free agent on the market, certainly one of the top two or three free agents on the market, and Trey Turner. He came into town uh, the other day, had the news conference, made a very good impression. One of the things he was asked, Mike, is where do you expect to bat in the order? And he had a funny thing to say about a conversation that he had. Here it is. I did get a phone call this morning from Kyle Schwarber, and he asked me the same question. And I hadn't, hadn't thought about it much, but um, you guys got a pretty good leadoff hitter, or we have a pretty good leadoff hitter in, in Schwarber. And um, I don't know. I don't know if he stole a lot of bases last year. He's kind of coming <laughs> around there. So I, I, I don't know if I want to kick him out of there, or, you know, I, I don't know what it may be, but um, I think it's going to be fun playing in this lineup. Uh, up uh, from top to bottom, I think there's so many guys that can contribute. So I'm excited. Um, I don't really have a preference, truthfully. I don't really care. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give uh, Schwartz a hard time on that one. All right, so he defers. Uh, by the way, I think Schwartz had 10 stolen bases last year. But whatever. I, that, my que- you know, the first time I heard it, I thought he was serious. And having heard it again, you think he's pulling our leg with this? Like I, it's a goof or you think it's real? I, I think it's certainly possible he's pulling our leg. Um, you know, Look, the Phillies batted Schwarber leadoff out of necessity last year. It's just the way it was, as we said earlier, based on the personnel that they had and the best possible lineup that Rob Thompson could run out there. Uh, personally, I would be surprised if Trey Turner were not batting leadoff and Schwarber were somewhere lower in the lineup. All right. If Mike Sielski were the manager of this team, not uh, Tomper, mm-hmm. what, I would, wh- first of all, I would have left Zach Wheeler in game six, but that's a separate discussion. <laughs> I hate that he's going to be remembered for that. But, yeah, he's going to be remembered for that. Oof, that still hurts. It does. Um, let's go through the batting order, how you would do it and I would do it. Um, I guess just give me your, your nine first. Okay. And and it's got to be without Harper and then when Harper comes back because they're not going to have Harper for the first right. half of the year. Right. Okay. So we'll do the non-Harper batting order first. This is how I would break this down. Keeping in mind that one of the things – I think a manager would want to pay attention to is not bunching too many right-handed hitters together and too many left-handed hitters together. So the non-Harper Phillies lineup that I have is Trey Turner leading off, playing shortstop. JT Romuto batting second and catching. Kyle Schwarber batting third and probably playing left field. Reese Hoskins batting fourth, playing first base. Nick Castellanos batting fifth and probably designated hitting. Hope. Yeah. Alec Bohm batting sixth, playing third. Bryson Stott batting seventh, playing second base. Matt Veerling batting eighth, playing right field. And Brandon Marsh batting ninth and playing center field. Uh, mine's different. First of all, I'm going to platoon Marsh and Veerling in center field. And uh, I just don't think either of them yet has the bat where I want to take up two lineup spaces with okay. those guys. So Marsh, who the left-handed hitter, plays against righties. Veerling against lefties. Mm-hmm. Hey, if, if if and I think Marsh, he, listen, he's a young guy. He could really develop into something as an everyday player. If that happens, that's great. Mm-hmm. I don't see that at the start of the season. Um, we both agree that when Harper comes, or in your in your mind, I'm assuming when Harper comes back, one of those two guys sits. Yes, of course. Okay, all right. So my batting order for the first half of the season is Turner leads off and plays shortstop. That's the way that's going to be. I'm putting Schwarber at two. I'm still okay. going to keep him at the top of the lineup. 
He takes a lot of walks. I will keep that power up high. I'm fine with that. And Real Muto, three. Uh, Hoskins, four. Castellanos, five, which is, I think, the way you had it. Mm-hmm. What I have for now, at least against right-handed hitters, is I have Derek Hall as my DH. Ah, okay. I want another bat in there. I think uh, I, I like a lineup with a lot of sluggers, and I think he's – I mean, you got to see more. He came up as a 27-year-old and looked pretty good until mm-hmm. he didn't look pretty good. Uh, he's certainly a one-way player, but I'd like to give him the shot to be my DH against righties for the first half of the season, get that bat in there. So you got Hall, six, Bohm, seven – Stott, eight, and either Marsh or Veerling, nine. Okay. When Harper comes back, I think what I do is I put Harper, two. I go Turner, Harper, still keep Real Muto, three, and put Schwarber, four. See, I have it flipped. I have Turner, then Schwarber, then Real Muto, then Harper. Uh, Trying to keep it as close to what it had been last season as possible. It seemed like that generated some comfort for everybody. And mm-hmm. I think I remember Rob Thompson saying something to the effect this week that he didn't really want to bat Harper second. Um, so this might be the way that he goes. Mm, okay. Um, you know, but it would be very similar to what we saw last year. Turner, Schwarber, Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins, Castellanos, Stott, Bohm, and then Marsh. I would, because I, I want the alternate left right and i know that means dropping bohm down in the lineup a little bit that's okay uh, it's, but yeah I, I don't need bohm to bat toward the top of the lineup but bohm it's so funny everybody we spend so much time uh and have spent so much time the fan base talking about hoskins and what a disappointment he is and hoskins defense is a killer bohm's defense certainly improved during the season it was markedly better and i give him a lot of credit for that i still don't see that alec bohm has the bat to handle a corner position on an everyday basis, or at least be toward the top of my lineup on an everyday position. Well, you know, I I differ from you a little bit bit in this regard in that I'm not sure corner positions or certain positions necessarily have to be bound by. You need offense out of this spot. Turner's going to give you a good bit of offense out of a position that for a long time was regarded as just a defensive position first. Now, obviously, that changed over the last, what, 25, 30 years of baseball with players like Alex Rodriguez and Cal Ripken and people like that. But, uh, you know, the the one issue to me is that I've heard over the last couple of weeks, I, I feel like people have forgotten that Reese Hoskins can carry a team for a week or two and did that in the playoffs. I understand yeah, he that he, had, he didn't have a very good World Series, and I get the concerns about his defense, and they're real. But, holy cow, the guy hit four home runs in the league championship series, and turn the Brave series around with one swing of the bat. I mean, that series effectively ended when he hit that three-run home run in game three. Uh, you know, you're going to get 30 home runs out of the guy, and that's a good thing. That's nothing but a good thing. Yeah, he's got his limitations, and they are certainly there for everybody to see. I've, I don't think he's going anywhere. And again, I'm I'm not sold on Bohm. I, I mean, he, he's okay, and he doesn't, he doesn't really hurt you, but I don't think he does – he doesn't. Let me put it this way: Is there anything that Alec Bohm does very well? No, but there are things I think he can do better. I think there's okay, room for young. growth there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, you're talking about a kid who hit 340 in an abbreviated rookie season when he came up. So there's there's something there. It's a while ago, Mike. Yeah, I know. But you know, Kevin Long, give give Kevin Long a little more time to work with him. Maybe they unlock something else. Maybe there's a power stroke there that can be developed. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not persuaded yet that we've seen the best of Alec Okay. Bo. Well, I hope that's true. 
Uh, let's talk to Mike in Sewell. You're on with uh, Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Hey there. Hey, guys. Great show, all, as always. Mike, I was just getting over the Zach Wheeler thing, and you just <laughs> brought it back. You ruined my day. I, I apologize, Mike. <laughs> um, so I, had, I think I have some good insight into uh, the improvement on special teams. Um, I, my, my neighbor is the mother of uh, one of the captains on special teams. I don't want to reveal the name because just try to be discreet. Oh, okay. we got um, some inside and, intel and we, here. Yeah, and we were talking, and she said after the Packers game, uh, Howie gave, uh, gave him a call and said, listen, you better get on your guys because people are going to start losing jobs. Mm. And, and it's got to start this weekend. So I think that probably think the threat from under. above was what they needed. A threat, a threat from above. And, I mean, my gosh, I, I didn't know who I, – when I saw Covey's returns, I'm like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And that's what, that's what it was all about. It was basically Howie being a great GM and, uh, and, and telling him to get on the program. Mm. Yep. Well, that's an interesting uh, dynamic, and I certainly don't doubt the conversation you had. I would doubt that uh, Howie's calling. He said a captain of the special team? Yes, that's what coach. he said. You I, know, I, think, Howie's, I don't think Howie's calling players and threatening them. No, I, I will say this. coach's job. I will say this, Glenn. The, the Eagles did call up a player named Christian Ellis from the, from the yeah. practice squad, a linebacker, yeah. and he made some very good plays, helped the coverage units, Sometimes it's just a personnel change, you know, and even a slight one or mm-hmm. one that flies under the radar that can make a difference like that. Yeah, maybe they figured it out. It would be great to think they did. John in Florida is with us. John, where are you down in Florida? I'm in Naples. Ah, nice. Very nice. Yeah, Close to clear good time water. to be down here, guys. Good, good time you. to be down here. I'll mm-hmm. bet. You know, I often don't call in. I listen all the time. Glenn, you may remember me. I used to live in St. Louis. I spent a number of years out there, and I would call in. Oh, yeah, from John afar. from St. Louis. I, I do remember that. You get around. Yeah, I, you know, we had some good conversations, and uh, and it's all good stuff. And you know, what is, uh, just uh, a great article by uh, E.J. Smith, your colleague, yes. Mike, about the relationship with Brian Bull and Jalen Hurts. And I think as fans, we often, you know, we get all caught up with the rivalries, beating everybody, Cowboys, Giants, and and, and all of that. But how, how cool that is with all these interactions with – um, you know, these players and, and former coaches. And, you know, I forgot all about or really didn't really know too much about Dable being in Alabama and mentoring uh, Hurts and that relationship and what that must be like on the on-field when they come on and, you know, and, you know you're know warming up and you're seeing all these guys. Sirianni has relationships with all these people. I just thought that was a great read. Well, I appreciate that, and I know EJ would appreciate it too. He does a great job for us covering the Eagles, and I think you're right. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to the idea that these kind of relationships help players develop and of course they last, you know, throughout a player's career or a coach's coaching career, that kind of thing. And you know, Jalen Hurts looks at this, I think, and he's he's spoken about this a little bit, John, that you know, what he quote unquote went through during his college career where he loses his job at Alabama and Correct. has to transfer to Oklahoma and is trying to gets that feeling that people don't completely believe in him and that he's been through stuff. I think some of that th- there's a residue of that in his time here with the Eagles. The you know the idea that he came here, he wasn't going to be the starter, and he ends up displacing Carson Wentz. And uh, now the Eagles are eleven and one, and he's a leading candidate for the MVP. I think there is something to be said for kind of mental toughness 
with respect to Jalen Hurts and, and kind of, as I said, what he's been through in his career. You know, the network of people who are in the NFL, in, in pro sports, is, is smaller than you think sometimes. Mm-hmm. And guys move around, particularly coaches, are always moving around um, from college to pros to this franchise to that. And so those uh, – in every game, if you're a guy who's been in the league, there's probably somebody on the other team that you cross paths with at some point. I always enjoy watching at the end of the game – you know, when they're signing off on the network and you see the players embracing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, two guys have been banging against each other for three hours, just kind of paying respect. But sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, those guys were college teammates. Or, oh, yeah. that guy coached this guy as a receiver's coach back two franchises ago. And I always I always do find that interesting. So. Yeah, it is. And, and those, you know, you're talking about relationships formed under pressure and passion and uh, – some challenging circumstances, and those kinds of relationships tend to be pretty strong over time. Yeah, move around a lot. 215-592-9494 coming up. We are going to go back five years to the day, which is, when you think about it, one of the most important, fateful days in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. You know why, but we'll explain it in some detail and look at some of the things that happened. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Along with Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Time for This Week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Shop their center city or Wayne locations, or check them out at scheibsports.com for unique gifts for every sports fan on your list. You did a uh, book signing earlier this week at um, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap up in Bridgeport, one of the Concha Hawk and Brewing Company places. I did. Uh, and they were there with their fine swag. Uh, I was supposed to emcee that event, but kind of locked inside with COVID. So please tell me that it all went well and you it, sold a lot of books. It went great. Uh, Ray Dittinger was there. Zach Berman from The Athletic was there selling his book, Underdogs, about the 2017-18 Eagles. Leslie Van Artsel was there selling her book, uh, her children's book that she co-wrote with Brian Westbrook. There was terrific beer. There was terrific food. There was a lot of terrific people who came. It was a terrific night. Good. I'm delighted. All right. So, Mike, we go back to this date five years ago today, which I'm going to argue is one of the most important dates in the history of the franchise now, the Eagles have the best record going in, best record in the NFC. They're 10-2. and two. They were 10-1. and one. They lost the previous weekend in Seattle, if you remember. They had that mm-hmm. long road trip out west. They stayed out west. Um, the Rams are right there. I think the Rams are 9-3 and three at the time. Eagles in L.A. Fans, you remember, Eagle fans took over that game. Yes, they did. I was there for that game. Oh, you were there. Oh, good. This is going to yes. make that even better. Okay, so it's the third quarter. Close game. Mm-hmm. Back and Car- forth all day. Right. Carson Wentz, both offenses, defenses couldn't do a whole lot nope. that day. Carson Wentz scores on a scramble, but it gets called back on a hold by Lane Johnson. Yes. Now, the replay shows that Wentz got hit kind of from both sides, got crunched his knee, his leg, both angles. Looked really painful, but he stays in the game. Four plays later, here we are. Wentz, time runs out, passes to Jeffrey for the touchdown. What a catch right off the top of the grass. And a new franchise record for Philadelphia's Carson Wentz has his 33rd touchdown of the season. 
one heck of a catch. He caught both ends of the football. It was behind him. Well, nobody wants to see this. Carson Wentz is going off to get looked at in the locker room. I'll show you the hit again. You'll get a better idea of what he went through. He's a big-bodied quarterback, a big target, and he got hit hard. Mark Barron was in there for the Rams. All right, so uh, Nick Foles comes in. Eagles end up winning 43-35. to Foles closes the deal, but mm-hmm. Wentz, is, Wentz is done. By the way, we, we mentioned it, but I was struck by how loud yes. the crowd was. Yes. It's like a home game. Uh, Wentz is in. I mean, excuse me. Foles is in. Wentz is done. We learn later that he's done for the year. Two torn ligaments in his left knee. It changes everything. It, so take me. Does. You were there. I'm home watching on TV. Take me there. What did you write that day? What was that day for you? So <laughs> it's funny you say that, Glenn. So I've called up uh, a column that was written that day, and this is the final graph of that column. Make no mistake, without Wentz, it is asking too much to take the Eagles <laughs> seriously as a Super Bowl contender now. They were that without question with him. He was brilliant again Sunday, and all of it vanished like a wisp of smoke once he took those hits on that play that didn't count but meant everything. Once he started that long walk walk to the locker room, a walk from which he didn't return. All of it vanished, the hope for the sport's greatest glory most of all. I wrote them off. That was the final graph of the column I wrote that day. By the way, nicely turned phrases. Thank uh, you. As much uh, baloney yeah, as it all turned yeah, out Yeah, as be. long as I was. It was yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, nice, nicely written. Um, but, yeah, I thought they were done for. I really did. You... I, I didn't. Um, and I don't know if I didn't because it was just kind of wishful thinking and it was just kind of – I mean, part of it is, and I'll admit it, doing this job as as I do it, I really want to keep the fans engaged. Mm-hmm. And I just like I, I didn't want it to turn into Negadelphia and I thought they have a shot. They could still do it. The defense is good. They got a lot of playmakers. Hey, we've seen the best of Nick Foles before. Who's to say he can't? If you remember, Foles was then awful. Yes. The, was it the Raiders they played? Well, they the, the following week they beat the Giants, you know, again being timely here and and when we're talking about it, they beat the Giants in at MetLife Stadium and Foles threw four touchdown passes, but the mm-hmm. Giants were god awful that yeah, season. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the following week, Christmas week, Foles was god awful against the Raiders. Yeah, he was yeah. terrible. It's like ten seven or something. Right? Yeah, nineteen ten, something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. was he was terrible again in very short action against the Cowboys in the season finale. Yes, and there were people who were saying. Uh, you should bench Foles. Uh, you gotta break. Who was who? Uh, what the heck was the name? Oh, of the the great uh, Nate Sudfeld. Nate. Play yeah. Sudsy. Yeah, yes. who tore it up against the Cowboys. As, yes, uh, yes, as, yeah, yeah. Well, Jeffrey Lurie like 20 said. for 21 for 30 yards. Yeah. It was, it was empty numbers. It was. But but look, Glenn, you know, remember, too, that at the start of that season, Foles had had some arm issues. Uh, there was a question of how healthy he was and had he fully recovered. And Wentz, it's hard to remember this now, I think, because of everything that's happened since then with him. But Wentz was so great. Oh, he was amazing. Through the first 13 games yes. of that season. He was amazing. He was, and we're, later we're going to get into the column you wrote about the, the 10 best mm-hmm. seasons Eagles quarterbacks ever had. But he was that year what Hurts is this year. Yes. The parallels between Wentz that year and Hurts this year are astounding. Yes. 
you know, they're both in their first contract, so you could have all those guys around them, the Chris Longs mm-hmm. and a bunch of guys like that. Second full seasons as a starter, and you see this kind of quantum leap that each of them takes because of having the experience of being a starter for a full year under his belt. You're right. The parallels are, are, are scary in some ways. Right. You just hope. So that moment changes everything. Yes. They win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, which was one of the, which probably the most fun season sports season most people in Philadelphia have ever had. Then Wentz gets alienated from his teammates and basically is revealed as an immature, self-centered guy, right? Yeah, look. uh, Didn't see that coming. No, did not see that coming at all. And I think the episode that's been reported in multiple places, but that my colleague Jeff McLean at the Inquirer had first, was this anecdote about Darren Sproles basically having to put Wentz in his place, the two of them almost coming to blows over the fact that Wentz was expressing disappointment that the Eagles were winning and he wasn't the reason they were winning. Yeah, in the training room one day. Yeah, and it just snowballs from there, especially because the following season he gets hurt again and Foles comes in again and they get to the playoffs again and they almost get back to the NFC Championship game. Correct. Then... They draft Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. which I still believe initially was ostensibly his insurance. They felt, listen, given the situation with this quarterback and quarterbacks overall, you really need a strong second quarterback. We don't have Nick Foles anymore. Jalen Hurts can be that guy. I still don't think they drafted Jalen Hurts thinking that he was going to be the quarterback going forward. Maybe I'm wrong. No, but... I, I think you're right about that. I think they were trying to be what they thought uh, of as smart in saying instead of spending $12 million on a veteran backup, let's draft a kid who could be the backup and will be on a rookie contract. Right. Of course, Wentz can't handle that. Right. <laughs> Wentz gets hurts again. Wentz goes south. Wentz gets traded. Hurt, Jalen Hurts starts last year and looks okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagles, not so sure, end up trading for a first-rounder next season, this coming off season, in case Hurts isn't that guy which, by the way, looks like it's going to be a top five or six pick. Bravo. Yes. And then here we are. Jalen Hurts emerges into greatness. Mike, starting that day in Los Angeles to now is one of the great sagas we've ever had as sports fans with all those twists and turns and ends up being almost all great for us because the Eagles win a Super Bowl. They get a great return for Wentz. And they get a great quarterback in Hurts. We win. Yeah, it's true, Glenn. And, you know, two things occur to me while I'm listening to you kind of lay it all out there. Number one, how much Wentz's time in Philadelphia parallels a previous superstar athlete here, Eric Lindros. You know, think about how revered (laughs) Lindros was after he wins the MVP in 1995, and of course he's going to win, lead the Flyers to the Stanley Cup. Oh, the expectations were amazing. Yeah, yeah. and it all yeah. got so bad so yeah. fast. Yeah. And a, a player whose career here was marred by injury as well. And the same sort of dynamics, too, the idea that there are problems in the locker room with this guy, that the superstar isn't quite the superstar anymore, and how does he handle it, and how do the— the players and the coaches around him handle that, and how does the organization handle it? Uh, it it's it's remarkable. That's number one. Oh, well, let me ask you one question sure. off of that, because um, you know the big difference, of course, is that the the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl and are one of the elite teams in the league. The Flyers 
have not. Um, but the Flyers and the fan base came to terms with Lindros, who now is actually part of the organization mm-hmm. and gets a standing ovation. And peace was made. Can we expect that eventually with Wentz when they do? This is five years now. When they do the 10-year reunion, does he come and does he does he become Lindros in hindsight? Like, hey, it was bad, but all's forgiven. It was, you know, there was a lot, a lot of good out of it. Yeah, that that comes down to Carson Wentz to me, uh, and I don't know what his thinking is on that. I think with respect to Lindros and the Flyers, I think two things happened. I think number one, time healed the wounds, in particular between Lindros and Bob Clark. Right, that that relationship was so. Yeah, that was the tense. toxic one. Yeah, yeah, and, and then the other thing was that the perspective on. Lindros's injuries, which were mostly head-related concussions, changed. The mentality very much in the late 1990s in the NHL was, get out there and play. Your bell got rung. Well, we know a lot more now about what Lindros was dealing with at the time. And so it's easier to look back on that and say, hey, you can't blame Lindros. He suffered, what, seven, eight concussions, however many it was. And expecting him to come back and be the player he had been was ear unrealistic at the time and you know we can say that now i don't know that that same dynamic is going to play out with respect yeah, to Wentz. it might actually lindrus was uh i don't want to use the word pioneer but lindrus was actually you know had some foresight before yes. a lot of people in that issue you had one other point you wanted yeah to make just off of it? just the fact that what makes what the eagles have done this season all the more uh remarkable i guess for lack of a better word i don't want to overstate it is that they're 11 and 1 with a different quarterback from the one who they had handpicked to be their franchise guy. And that blew up on them. I mean, they signed Wentz to this four-year, $128 million extension under the presumption that he's going to be their guy for the next several years, and they're going to build their team accordingly. And then he wants to be traded, and they have to trade him. And within two years of that, they are back to the top of the NFC as an 11-1 and team with the guy who... They drafted the backup Wentz, now leading the charge for them. Yeah. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that, for kind of being able to move the ocean liner out of the way of the iceberg as fast as they did. That's a good point. They're not buried, and a lot of franchises would be. Fascinating right. stuff. If yeah. You, if you want to call on that, we'd love to uh, kind of further that, because this being the anniversary, that was, I mean, it really, you could write a, hey, you know, you. Mr. Write a book. You could write a book on that. Yeah, well, maybe down the road. I've got enough on my plate now. Yes, thanks. You do. I'm trying to uh, carry this radio show. Yeah, well, you're doing <laughs> just a fine kidding. job. Andy in Huntington Valley <laughs> is with us. Hello, Andy. Hey, Glenn. Mike, good morning. How are morning, you? Good morning, Andy. So, a couple of things. One, if you look at where the Sixers and Flyers are versus where the Phillies and the Eagles are, it really comes down to management and it comes down to, I think, the ownership really caring about the team and that it's not just a business. If you look at the Sixers and Josh Harris, as he sits on the sidelines in the $5,000 a night seats, it's good to be part of the boys club. And I don't think he's got his head in the game to where he needs to make the right decisions to fix this mess, which I think starts the general manager and the coach and, you know, tear it up and start over. You know what I've never been able to accept with Josh Harris? That they also own the New Jersey Devils. Hmm. That, and and if, if you own the New Jersey Devils, to me, you're not a fully committed Philadelphia sports person. And so, therefore, for that and other reasons, I'm with Andy. 
And with the Flyers, I mean, clearly since Ed Snyder uh, left the building, the Flyers have not been able to find ownership that affected. And then, Mike, I know you're a critic of Snyder, but I also know mm-hmm. you appreciate you know, what he did. It does seem that the ownership now is completely disconnected. Uh, from the fan base and, yeah. being able, and being able to build anything that's going to work. Go yeah. ahead, Andy. The other, the other thing I wanted to say was yesterday on Marks and Reese, they were talking about, you know, is Jalen Hurts the face of the NFL? You know what? I don't want Jalen Hurts to be the face of the NFL. I like our, you know, under the radar. Players want to come here maybe because of Hurts, because of what the organization is doing as a, as a whole. Um Keep us off the radar. Let's just keep winning. That's what happened in, you know, when we won in Super Bowl last yeah. night. Yeah, you know, it's it, in, it's interesting, thanks. Andy. Th- that's the kind of thing that uh, gets discussed and I think is, is important from a national perspective, though, right? Because you do see the guys who have been the face of the league, guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in particular, taking step backwards in terms of the quality of their play. And at some point, that transition has to take place. Uh, when Donovan McNabb was here, it was a discussion of, is McNabb the face of the NFL? Uh, it's usually going to be a quarterback. I mean, I would argue now it's probably Patrick Mahomes, um, who is a great, great player, but I'm not sure has the charisma uh, of some of the other guys who have kind of held the title over the years. But, um, you know, I think from a, from a local perspective, you're probably right that, that people who root for the Eagles aren't as interested in that. They just want Jalen Hurts to keep playing as well as he has. Yeah, it's, it, and and the thing with, I guess it depends what you consider to be the, the face of the NFL, which is, I love Jalen Hurts. Part of the thing about Jalen Hurts that's, how do I want to put this? He doesn't. Want, I don't think he wants to be the be the face. He doesn't want to say anything interesting. He doesn't want to be a standout personality. He's the opposite of Joe Namath. And I know mm-hmm. I'm going back a thousand years to find the guy. Um, as good as Jalen Hurts is, and you interview him, you know, you've been in the room and you've interviewed him. I think he deliberately doesn't have anything interesting to say. No, I think that's 100% true. He learned. I'm fine with that. He learned very well at Alabama and Nick Saban. Uh, the term he uses for those of us who, who ask him these questions is rat poison. Uh, he views the, the questions he gets after a game or the stories we might write about him and the Eagles as nothing but distractions and it can only hurt him. And, and that's fine. Uh, but from an NFL league-wide business standpoint, you know, he's probably not the guy who you're going to want um, as great as he plays. Um, he's probably not the guy you're going to want as as the face of your league because he's he's not interested in being the face of the league. It yeah, seems. that's fine, too. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, as we said, we don't need that. Yeah. But that thing that that dynamic does matter, Glenn. I mean, look, that's part of the reason whether they want to admit it or we want to admit it or not. It's part of the reason why the Eagles felt so optimistic signing Wentz to that contract extension was that they felt he presented this image uh, that they wanted as the face of their franchise. You know, he was the guy who who hunted his own meals, and he was North Dakota tough and all these things, all of which turned out generally to be kind of false. Yeah, I mean, he, he really, when push came to shove, he, he couldn't take the heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. North Dakota tough. I remember that, sure. Uh, Mark in South Philly uh, wants to talk about tomorrow. Mark, you don't you don't have a lot of faith in the Eagles tomorrow. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, I just know the Giants are very very well coached, and if they say Quan Barkley takes over that game, 
it might cause a problem. Yeah, well, a couple of things. And I, listen, I believe in Brian Dable and, and their defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, former TV host. He's <laughs> been around for a long time. Um, however, Saquon Barkley certainly appears to be hurt and has been completely ineffective over the course of the last three weeks, averaging less than three yards a carry. Their line is banged up. Their defense is banged up. Their early hot start appears to be a bit of an illusion. They won a lot of close games against bad teams. I think they're I think they're a bad team, man. I don't think you have to worry. Well, I hope you're right, but uh, I'll tell you this. Quez, Watkins, A.J. Brown, and Smith all got to shine in that game. Well, I think, Mark, that the Eagles think they will. I think – Nick Sirianni believes that they can throw the ball against the Giants. You know, Glenn and I talked about this earlier in the show, that the Giants blitz a lot, but that doesn't necessarily lead to chaos for the opposing offense. You know, the Giants kind of have a, a fairly mediocre defense. They don't get home a lot. They they pressure the quarterback. They have a pretty high, what you would call, pressure percentage, hurries and things like that. But they don't have a lot of sacks. I think they only have 25 all season. So... Uh, look, I think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball against this team kind of in any way they want to. 215-592-9494. By the way, if you happen to find yourself in or around Radnor today, Ray Dinger is currently doing a book signing at the Radnor Municipal Building, 301 Ivan Avenue in Radnor. He's with a couple of – it's a Delaware County-focused book signing. Ah, so I'm I'm all for that. So uh, Ray will be out there with Rich Westcott, a couple other authors. That sounds terrific. Yeah, so it's at the Radnor Municipal Building on Ivan Avenue in Radnor, going on until eleven o'clock right now. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike, coming up, I am going to tell you about a television show that I discovered uh, over the course of the last uh, two weeks that is definitely going to make my list of favorite shows of the year. And I will tell you in turn about a stand-up comedy show that I saw that I enjoyed very much. Well, there you go. That's all coming up. And your phone calls. Hey, United Tires holiday sales have arrived. Get some of the best tires at the very best prices now. Make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get much better from here. So if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United. Sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided's big year-end sale. Receive 40% off all windows and doors until December 31st. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at gogudacom All right, Mike. So, well, when you're stuck at home with COVID, what do you mm. do? You, you don't do cartwheels down the hallway, I imagine. No. no. Uh, you sleep and you binge watch. Okay. Um I probably watched 20 episodes of The Office this past week. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's a show that I, I liked, but I only ever saw sporadically mm -hmm. back in the day because whenever it was on, I was not watching TV. So, it, And by the way, it's great. Mm -hmm. um, My wife um, is a huge fan. She loves it. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really well done, and he is just such a one of the great characters in television history. But uh, anyway, I just – and I, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I had COVID. I was diagnosed, whatever, a week ago Friday – I'm fine. It hit me very light. Uh, it's, I still have just a little bit of it in my voice. I'm still living in my basement, but hopefully get out tomorrow. And um, I'm glad that I got the vaccines and all the boosters because mm -hmm. it was it was pretty mild stuff. So that's that's that. All to the good. Yeah. Um, better than the office. 
I went out and I binge. I didn't go out. I went to my basement. And I binged the first two seasons of a show that so many of our listeners kept telling me to watch called Reservation Dogs. Okay. Not to be confused with the movie Reservoir Dogs. Right. Although there are tributes to that during this show, Reservation Dogs. Well, there can't be enough as far as I'm concerned. Reservoir Dogs is one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, Quentin Tarantino's debut. So any any hat that gets tipped in the direction of that film is cool with me. Uh, I agree. So, Reservation Dogs, it's a half-hour comedy, kind of, kind sometimes a comedy, on FX Hulu that centers on four Native American teenagers in rural Oklahoma who spend their days committing crimes in order to get money to fund their dream to escape to California, where they hope they'll get to hang around with Jay-Z and other stars. Um, I realize that none of that makes it sound like you're going to like them. <laughs> It sounds like you were playing a game of Mad Libs, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I know, and I tried to explain it as quickly and simply as I could. And I think that's an accurate and fair portrait. That, that's the setup, right? That's the background of the thing. But you come to see what they're trying to escape, which is this cycle of poverty and addiction. And um, a big part of it is it's the memory of a suicide of, of their best friend mm. and group leader. And... Um, the sense that the place that they're living and the circumstances that they're in have kind of condemned them to a bleak future that they want to get out of. Again, I realize that that does may not make this. You're, sound you're like really any winning kind me over comedy. here, Glenn. I yeah. know. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll, I'll get you in the end. Um, but around all those poignant moments and those sad moments, there are there are genuine laughs. There are funny situations, terrific characters. Uh, you would like it because it's magnificent writing. Oh, great. And you get caught up in their adventures and you really come to root for them. Although, again, maybe not so much when they steal the potato chip truck and sell it to a group of meth heads. That's, you know, <laughs> that, that, but, but. Sounds like well, a real knee slapper. All right. Well, <laughs> one of the main creators, and this is a name that I'm going to have a tough time saying, but I want to try to say it right. Tika Waititi, okay. um, who also created a TV comedy about vampires called What We Do in the Shadows which I love. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. I have not, no. Okay. It's a very funny sitcom about vampires living on Long Island. Um, which and, is exactly where you ex would expect vampires well, it, to live, yeah, so, of course. So, again, it, it's this very creative kind of different setup. You know, then it's, then it's like, hey, let's put Ward Cleaver in suburbia America and see what the beaver can do, right? He, mm -hmm. The backstories on these things are really something. He also did the movie Jojo Rabbit, which came out a couple of years ago, was nominated for Best Picture Oscar. Did you see that one? No, I did not. Okay, very unusual film. Okay. The cast and the writing are what make this show great. As I said, it's got some clever references to other shows and movies, including Tarantino's work, but you'll see tributes to other things mm -hmm. along the way that you'll appreciate. Um, and it's this is one of the things I really like about it. It's one of the first shows that I've ever seen about Native Americans that avoids all the stereotypes that they're either you know, like wild Indians or ultra wise spirit right. guides, yes. right? Yes. They're, they're, they're regular. They're regular people, right? Yes. The good and the bad and the smart and the dumb and the, and the upstanding and the criminal and the cast is just terrific up and down has characters who are flawed and funny and, and kind and not so kind. I will say it takes a couple episodes to get into it. Um, and to see past those four lead characters as more than petty thieves. 
but it's really worth it. And all of a sudden, I found myself again. I'm not going anywhere, right? I got COVID. I'm in the basement, but I could watch something else. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to watch Hulu FX. And all of a sudden, I found like I love this show, and I'm going to watch another and another and another. It's a 30 minute show, and I just why I think I've watched 18. I got two to go. Wow. Yeah, I'm going nowhere tonight. Yeah. So well, I'll there you go, man. Out. And I give it I I do it on a scale of one to ten. I give it an eight and a half. Out of 10, great show. Wow. Um, yes. Uh, reservation Dogs, I recommend with no reservation. I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't plan that line, but but there you go. Okay. Well, it's, Reservation Dogs is my show of the week, and everybody should go and watch it. All right. Well, it sounds it does sound terrific, uh, my, my poking fun at it aside. Uh, no, so, go ahead. So my family and I have been catching up on a show that millions of people around the country have already seen, and we have finally just gotten around to taking the time to watch it, which is Stranger Things. And so... My oh, wife, right? You yeah. told me, I, right? You told me that last week. I yeah, think. my wife and my two sons are are in yeah. the midst of watching that, and we're almost through the first season. So I'm not going right, to rehash so, that because that's so. No, but let me just tell you, this was my take on that. Uh, loved the first season. Mm-hmm. So disappointed in season two. Wasn't even going to watch season three. People said it picks back up. So season three is great again. Okay. So that's, that's all, right. all I can tell you about that will, is you're going to have to live through season two. Okay. I will go in with that expectation. Like I said, we're almost finished with season one. We have the, the finale of season one left to go. Wait, how uh, old are your, your boys? Are how old? 11 and 8. Nobody's getting scared by some of them? Uh, you know, the 8-year-old is has been calling us in once or twice this week. <laughs> <laughs> just to uh, just to reassure him. Yeah, right? Can you look in the closet? Dad? Yeah, exactly. But is there anything under my bed? But all in all, they're both really, really enjoying it. Um, so we'll we'll live with you know the monster in the closet for now. Um, but one thing that I got to see this week, uh, which I've been looking forward to, on Netflix was a stand-up special by a guy who I think most of the audience knows by now, a guy named Sebastian Maniscalco, who uh, is an Italian guy from Chicago. His his stand up bits and routines are kind of based around, generally speaking, things were better way back when. And that sounds kind of grumpy and kind of, oh, I'm I'm down on the way things are. But sounds they, like the show that preceded us in WIP this morning. <laughs> you said that, I didn't. Um incidentally I don't think Howard's gonna argue that no, he's got f- that. Funny funny line yeah. about that. We'll come back to that in a second. But uh Sebastian Maniscalco's latest latest special is called Is It Me? And it is very, very funny. It's kind of his take on parenting. He's married with two kids now and kind of marrying his old world Italian sensibilities with some of the expectations of modern life today. And it's really, really good. Um, if you're familiar with him, he, he did a bit years ago about the difference between getting company at your house now versus when you would get company 20 years ago when somebody would knock at your door and how we kind of view that differently. And he does very similar bits during this special. Uh, It's in Las Vegas. He's wearing a tuxedo. It's very obvious he's trying to call in like an old school way of looking at the world and the Rat Mm -hmm. Pack and all that kind of stuff. But some very, very funny bits. He does one about a kindergartner, uh, a kid who identifies not as a boy or a girl but as a lion and it it just pokes fun in a in an interesting and uh, kind of pointed way at some of the things that that parents and society are dealing with nowadays. So where do I find this? You find Sebastian it on Netflix. Netflix. It's Netflix, only about okay. an hour, uh, as most stand-up bits are. 
uh, and I give it three stars out of four. It's not quite as good as his previous work, not quite as funny, but still very, very good. All right, and the name of the special is? Is, is it me? Is it me? As in, is in, um, is it, am I the one who's crazy here? Is it right. me or is it everybody else? Got it. All right. Um, and yeah, just to, to, to throw back to, uh, to poke fun at our producer, Dan Wilson, um, our, our, the, the previous show, the host, um, got his name wrong, I think, throughout the show. <laughs> <laughs> referred to him as Brian Wilson, um, which is not Dan's name, obviously. So I actually no, t- but was a tremendous musician. A tremendous so. musician. So I actually made a list of all the names that we could call Dan. I was a pretty good closer too. Yes, very much. Uh, ended the Philly season in 2010, yes, as that's I right. recall. The bearded guy. That's right. Yeah. See, that's so funny, and that's got to be a generational thing. You think of the pitcher, I think of the the uh, the guy, the Beach Boy. Yeah, and I think of the. Uh, Bare Naked Latest song, which makes a reference to the Beach Boy. Lying in bed just like Brian Wilson dead. But anyway, I figured, Glenn, we could go through the rest of the show and just refer to Dan by incorrect names. We could call him Woodrow Wilson or Russell Wilson or Jackie Wilson or Owen and Luke Wilson. Oh, man, you're taking all the good ones. Well, hey, I made the list. You didn't. Yeah, I don't know who's left. All right. um, Let me just, uh, one other thing that uh, I, I, I will bring up here, and I... I hope I don't. Uh, I hope I'm not screwing with Woodrow's uh, end of the show. <laughs> things we forgot to talk about. Today is Army Navy here yes. in Philadelphia, which is a great event. I've been to it a couple times, not in recent years. Um, and it's not even the game that's usually that great. I cannot come up with great moments in Army Navy games that will always stick with me, having watched them. But what I can come up with is. When you're at the event, I mean, I remember seeing it at the vet for a couple of years, but uh, when you're at mm-hmm. the event here and they do the march out. Yes. Um, and, you, and all those guys and, 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 the and women in the beautiful uniforms and the anthem. Uh, and the president is coming. I don't know if the president's coming today, but I was there when I think Clinton was there mm-hmm. one time. I forget. Uh, but I've been there when presidents have been there. And it's just the the... The pomp and the circumstance of that makes it such a special event. We used to have it here every year. We don't now. I know this is the last time it's going to be here for four or five years. Mm-hmm. But even if it's here occasionally, it's just such a such a fun and beautiful um, spectacle that I I love Army Navy, even though I could care less about the final score. Yeah, everything you just said is is right on the money. I've covered it a number of times too, but again, not in a long time. Uh, and there's just a there's a solemnness to it that you don't get really at any other sporting event. And for that event, it's appropriate, uh, and it makes the event special. Yeah, like a reverence. Yes, right. Everybody in there. It's it, it, it's actually it's very very cool. If you, I mean, I don't know that anybody's going today. I'm sure some people listening to us are going to. I think it starts at three. I'm yes, sure. three o'clock. Uh, but if you have the opportunity to ever get there, just go down and watch that thing. It's so much fun. And, and it works on TV, but it's it's one where if you're there live, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty great. 215-592-9494. Good time to get in. We have cleared the lines with our incessant chatter uh, about TV and other things. But we would love to talk to you uh, about the Eagles, about the Phillies. We're going to work in the Sixers and Flyers uh, coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. Mike Sielski and Glenn Mack now. Hey, is your home in need of new windows and doors, but you've decided to brave through one more cold season before taking the plunge? Well, let me tell you why acting now will not only keep your family feeling warm all winter long and lower your high heating bills, it's also going to save you big bucks with the big end-of-year sale from the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, Guida is bringing back 
all of the biggest discounts of the year. You get 40% off each window you buy. Hurry up. 40% off every professionally installed window. And you also get 40% off any door, including entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And don't worry about touching your holiday money because Guided will start your project with no money down and allow you to pay it off interest-free for up to 12 months. Now, if you need new windows and doors, you need to go Guida right now. Take advantage of huge savings, all prior sales excluded. Offer expires December 31st. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Flip Wilson, producing behind the scenes. <laughs> Good poll, Glenn. <laughs> I'm racking my brain. I'm walking around during the commercial. I don't know, who do I know? Who do I know? <laughs> so there you go. I got I got two or three more. We'll, we'll get through the next. You you issued a challenge. We'll we'll get through those next uh, forty uh, whatever seventy five minutes or so. Let's go to our friend Mitchie in Center City. Mitch, how are things at the hardware store today? What do you? Uh, we are hey. headed into winter. What's the big seller this time of year, Mitch? Um, I mean, you know, it's still, you know, this a couple of weeks before Christmas, you know, we have the flowers and eucalyptus, but people are starting to weather strip their windows and stuff like that, you know, the doors, but generally, go. you know, it hasn't been that cold. People are still doing projects. Right, when's when's the run on rock salt begin? <laughs> well, we, we like when it snows. Yeah, we, we carry that fancy stuff in the container uh, that doesn't hurt the pets see, or your sidewalk. We don't do regular salt. See, Glenn, Mitch is one of those guys in... Because of his profession, he roots for chaos, yes. right? He roots oh, for snow, did. and oh, therefore yeah. we have to get the rock salt, and inconvenience yeah, all around is is glory for Mitch. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember, I don't want to, this is too long, this, uh, this call, all but right, go with it. I think one year, all the big box stores were out of the salt, and I happened to have it, and there was just people lined up outside the store, it was we love chaos. We love that kind of stuff. <laughs> Good. Yeah. All right. What, Glenn, what about Glenn, the Eagles? I hope you no feel, chaos. I hope you feel better, Glenn. Yeah. Thank you. I'm getting better. It's a, it was, I've yeah. had a very mild case of COVID. What yeah. uh, What do you think about the Eagles tomorrow? Well, you know, every time I, I have to get my weekly call on, every time I, I'm on hold, it's like, God, this game could be could be tricky. But again, I see the see the Eagles winning 27 24, 27 21. 27 24. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen, if they win 27-24, they go to 12-1. and one. So, like, I guess yeah. none of us will complain. One Mitch, thing about Mitch, you guys it's talking gonna, about. It's hmm? going to be a blowout tomorrow. I don't know. I don't the, know. The kickoff know. is at 1. By one forty-five, <laughs> it's going to be in the bag. Glenn, here's the thing. We're fighting that natural Philadelphian instinct. Yes. yes. Not to look yes. a gift horse in the mouth. Yes. That's, yes. that's it. This is an exciting season. One thing about TV, guys. Ozark, I can watch that series over and over again. Mm-hmm. My favorite. I, I still didn't watch the last two uh, episodes of uh, Stranger Things. I didn't get to that yet. But uh, Okay. Yeah, like I said, Mitch, we're, uh, Mitch. we're still plowing through it. Uh, one episode to go in season one, and then we're going to you know, keep going from there. We've been enjoying it. I do. If I recall season one, and I, I'm not, it, again, it's been probably five years since I watched it, but I do believe it's like very scary toward the end. So you may want to have that eight-year-old close at hand. Well, last night we watched uh, the seventh episode of season one, and I think my wife, Kate, spent half the episode with her right hand over the eyes of our <laughs> eight-year-old Gabe, yeah, who, who yeah, kept saying, Mom, I want to watch it. Mom, I want to yeah. watch it. Yeah, there are, there are those moments, I recall, yeah. toward the end of season one. So, so uh, We'll see how it goes. Uh, we are joined at this time, as always, every week by one of our friends from Cooper Bone and Joint. The great Dr. David Gelt is with us on this beautiful Saturday. How are you, Doc? 
Very good, Glenn. Glad you're on your men on the men. That's good for you. I am. I'm very. Li- I had a very mild case, so I'm. I'm. I have no reason to complain about it whatsoever. Uh, Doc, before we talk to you, we want to play just a little sound clip of something that happened last week in the NFL. Uh, Willie Wilson, if you would hit this. <laughs> There's nothing worse than having something that's assignment-wise. Jerome Baker's right here. Nobody's going to block him. He's going to run straight to Jimmy Garoppolo. That's when you have an issue, right? If you get beat, you can get to the sideline and go, hey, what happened here? Oh, poor technique. Didn't really do a great job. My feet were bad. When you have that blown assignment, that's a bigger issue. Now you got to go over, hey, is that something new? Is that something we haven't seen yet? And it turns out that Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured. Now, here's the here's the interesting part, Doc, the good part for Jimmy Garoppolo. They initially thought it was a Liz Frank, um, which would have sidelined him for this season and beyond. Mm-hmm. It is now, they say, it appears to be a midfoot fracture involving the base of the second metatarsal in his ligaments, which is a lot of words to me that I understand individually, but put them all together is it possible, because they have hinted that Jimmy Garoppolo could come back for the Niners before the end of the year. Of course, you know they are a playoff contender that the Eagles may see down the road. Can you infer anything from all the words I just jumbled out there? Sure. Uh, so first off, the, the good thing is when you say Liz Frank injury, that's uh, usually involving surgery and you're out for, for several months at a time, and you know, it's a bad thing. The fact that that doesn't show there's any instability of that little joint, which is where the Metatarsal is sort of like the, uh, the middle of the foot, uh, right below the toes. There's what they call metatarsals, and then it becomes uh, there's some ligaments that could connect the other bones together. And if it's torn, then you have instability, and you can't push off, you can't run, and you have to fix that with surgery. Um, the fact that that's well maintained, and it's just there's a fracture, which is a little break of the the bone, um, that just heals on its own. You just have to boot it or put it in a cast. Uh, usually about six weeks, um, you're doing pretty well, and you can move on from there. So. Sounds like for, from his standpoint, it's about six weeks and then six or seven weeks, and then you can move on and hopefully get back for him um, if, for the for the 49ers standpoint. So, Doc, uh, an athlete who's familiar to Eagles fans, uh, in particular and Philly sports fans as a whole, Zach Ertz, mm-hmm. revealed this week that he had torn both the ACL and the MCL in his left knee and had already had surgery. He's 32 years old. Uh, he's been a player who throughout his career as a tight end has kind of been defined by his mobility, his speed, his ability to run pass patterns and get open and catch the ball. Uh, at at his age, at this stage of his career, what should be kind of a reasonable expectation, do you think, for him to come back from an injury like this? Yeah, so I mean, we talk about ACLs all the time, and um, with modern technology and surgical techniques, it's been very well maintained where we can do surgery and you get back pretty well. Um Usually it's about nine months or so, um, and then you have to keep moving forward with therapy and, and such. As you age, obviously, it does take a little bit longer sometimes to heal. Uh, you can't bounce back as quickly. Um, but you know, there have been people with the ACL injuries in, in their 30s, and hopefully he's able to do everything and do well. The MCL, usually that heals okay on its own. You don't just have to fix that. Um, the meniscus was okay from what I, I was reading, so you didn't have to get that fixed. Um but with him, it's you know it's, it's really more of the rehab. Once it heals, uh, it's really just to see if he can get back, and then just his mindset if he's able to push off and not be scared and and uh, have no uh, concerns as far as going back to 100. percent All right, one other player I want to ask you about: Matthew Stafford has been ruled out for the rest of the year with a spinal cord contusion. 
Um, he's got a neck problem that caused that caused numbness into both of his legs, both sides, um, uh, from the spinal cord. I, I, I don't know how you correct that. I don't know if it's a, a fusion surgery or what you do. He, again, is 30. He's played 14 seasons in the NFL, so I'm guessing he's around 36. He's won a Super Bowl. I know our friend Ross Tucker says this is what knocked him out of the league. From uh, from standing afar, does it look like we may have seen the last of Matthew Stafford in the NFL? Yeah, whenever you talk about neck injuries and you have numbness and tingling, especially if it goes either down the arms or down the and even to the legs, and you have a contusion of that, you, you have to be concerned about that. You know, being that he's thirty six, you know, you have to look at the the big picture at the end. You know, is it worth going back to playing? Especially since again, he's been playing fourteen years, he's had a Super Bowl. You know, is it something that you know put the cleats up uh, on the on the shelf and move on from there. But it's really, you know, I don't know all the details about it. If he has a you know, disc issue as well, but anytime you think about surgery with, with the neck, you have to be really concerned about it if it's really worth coming back and, and playing. Yeah. Right, doc. Uh, Thank sorry, you, doctor. Mike. No, I was just going to say Matt Stafford's wife also dealt with a brain tumor a couple of years yeah. ago. So that, that mm. if I were in his shoes suffering that injury and dealing with what I've already dealt with in terms of trauma and stress in my family, I'd be thinking about hanging it up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, from but a I, medical point of view, Doc, uh, how do you feel about the Eagles tomorrow? Well, with uh, I know we didn't talk about Saquon Barkley, but the fact that he's questionable, that's actually yeah. uh, it puts a lot of uh, – not that anybody wants to see somebody injured, but that definitely can help the Eagles. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think uh, it's not going to be very close. Um, I think the Eagles are going to uh, take care of business pretty easily. There you go. Dr. David Gelt, have a great uh, weekend. I do have a – so a question for you guys. Now that the uh, about TV a little bit, I know we yeah, don't really talk about sure. soccer much. But now that the U.S. is out, have you guys been watching the World Cup since then, or are you guys are you guys done with that? Uh, me sporadically, Mike. You sporadically, though. I did uh, while at the Novacare Complex yesterday for the Eagles' availability. A number of the writers uh, were paying attention to what was it Brazil and Croatia? Uh, oh, that's a big one. And yeah. the big upset there uh, that Croatia won in penalty kicks. That was Obviously, pretty you are you're engaged, are you? Uh, I am sort of. My my son is much more than I am, so he always brings me in. But yeah, last yesterday's games were very exciting, especially the Netherlands. They scored, I think, with uh, thirty seconds left to tie it up. It was just pretty, it's pretty. But I agree. Like most of the, the game is just you know passing back and forth, and just watching the graph grow. <laughs> it is, and and thank always, Doc. Always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Doctor Gale. Um, and I I. I Listen, I don't. I really don't want to rip soccer, and it's a huge moment, and it's the World Cup, and so on. But that you decide these huge contests on penalty kicks is just like they gotta find a better way to do it than that. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, and one thing I think we ought to mention, Glenn, um, mm. is last night uh, the news yes. broke. Yeah, I was of, gonna bring this up to you at some point. Go yeah, ahead. of the death of Grant Wall, uh, former writer for Sports Illustrated, the the preeminent soccer writer in the United States. Uh, just a, a gem of a person, uh, an incredibly great writer, wrote the first, started out covering college basketball for SI and wrote the cover story that really introduced LeBron James uh, to America. And he died suddenly last night in Qatar while he was covering the World Cup. And uh, he was one of the best in our business, and I think it's just worth acknowledging him. Yeah, just a horrible thing. Was it 48 years old or yes. something like yes. that? And it just... Yeah, I saw that last night. Just a horrible situation, and um, yeah, all sympathies to to his family and friends. Uh, let's talk to Mike in Morgantown before the break. You are headed to the game, Army Navy today, Mike. 
Oh, yeah. We're down here now, Glenn. Oh, beautiful. Little yeah, tailgate. I, What's I, going I, on? I have, a, I have a son who graduated from the uh, the academy and a, and, and a niece. So, uh, you know, we're big into this. And uh, as far as you going to see whether a president was at the game, I don't think a president's going to show up when he left a, a Marine behind yesterday. So. I think uh, this will be a presidentless game, and it's maybe better for Biden to stay away. Well, thank you for that, Mike. Um, you know, and thank you for your son's service and your niece's service, and you know, hope you have a great time down at that game. I'm not sure we want to get into the pol- the politics no, plan of the kind of ruin Brit- that, moment yeah, there, the Brittany Griner situation and yeah. and all of that. Um, yeah. You know, that's uh, that's something that we need. Uh, you know. Go. Trudy Rubin from the Inquirer or George Will or somebody to weigh in on. I think yeah, it's above our pay grade. Stick with that game there. So yeah. there you go. All right. Uh, Mitch and Ted, hang in there. We will uh, get you guys coming up. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now, hey, United Tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of their best tires at the very best prices now. Make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get better from here, so if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United. Mike Sioski, Glenn Mack. Now this hour sponsored by Meridian Bank. Regional presence, community touch. Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. Let's go to Mitch in Phoenix, uh, who has some thoughts from afar on those Philadelphia 76ers. What's up, Mitch? Yeah. I sure do have some thoughts, and they're all negative. <laughs> Lay it out for us, Mitch. You know, anytime you have two teams that have a history of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers, and then you have a game last night with four of the greatest players that have played this game according to their statistics. What a disgrace those two teams were last night. Uh, I'm going to just focus on one thing, um, and, I, and, and we can get into the disgrace because there were elements of it that were a disgrace, but is LeBron now just another guy, or is it that this was a you know a game in December? I don't know how, how long a road trip they're on right now that just was a game he kind of slept walk through because it was – if anybody was going to see LeBron James for the first time last night, I don't think they would have gotten a sense that he's, you know, one of the two or three greatest players in the history of the league. Well, I mean, look, Glenn, I think we're holding LeBron of the present day to a standard yeah. that's that's probably impossible for him to to meet. Uh, is he just another guy? No, he's one of the 10 to 15 best players in the NBA. Is he still? I think he is. Okay. I, I, I he just, wasn't last night. No I, I, no, I honestly don't watch the Lakers on a regular basis. So, yeah, I, I just feel like you know you, you're we're grading him against the guy he used to be, where he would it, when he was on the Cavaliers, for instance, in the second go round when they got to the finals four years in a row. Uh, you know, he it would be LeBron and four guys named Tim, and they'd end up in the finals against the Warriors and get their doors blown off three out of four years. So, um, is he the player he once was? No but he's still pretty darn good. Well, the answer to your question is, and I'm going to pose it in another question, would you rather have 38-year-old LeBron or 37 or whatever he is, 
James Harden? What, what would your answer be to that? Well, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. Uh, James Harden is 33, and I would take 38-year-old. Going, going on 55. I would take 38-year-old LeBron James for, for any number of reasons. Uh, personally, I think Harden has to reconcile himself to the fact that he's the point guard of this team because they don't have one otherwise. And the idea that he's going to be the isolation scorer that he once was for the Rockets in in any regard, that he's going to come close to that player, to me, is foolish. He's got to be a facilitator. He's got to be a distributor. Uh, and he's got to, I think, change some, some of his playing and living habits, to be honest, uh, if he wants to wring every drop out of himself now at the stage of his career. Yeah, I was very interested to see how they would do when he came back to the lineup, when the injured players came back to the lineup, the best players on the team. And they're worse. They're worse with him than they are without him. The, that's... They're 3-5 and five with Embiid and Harden in the lineup together, and that's yeah. not what this pairing was supposed to be. No, not at all. Ted in Westchester. Hey, Ted. Good morning, gentlemen. Can you hear me? We yeah. can, Ted. Oh, great. Hey, such a, such a great show, guys. Thank you. Really love it. Thank you. A uh, little side note, have you guys seen the Eagles uh, holiday uh, album they're putting together? Uh, you know, it's funny you mention that, Ted. Uh, I've heard a song or two from it. And Con- oh, my God. Connor Barwin a- yesterday in the in the locker room after practice uh, was, because he works for the team now in the front office, yeah. he was there right. with a couple copies of it. Uh, talking with Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata and all the linemen about it. And uh, a couple of us were kidding with him because he had a couple vinyl copies of the album. And oh uh, joking, with him, yes, wow. joking with him that he was going to sell them and be able to pay for his kid's college education <laughs> because this thing is selling out so well that uh, that the vinyl copies would be really, really rare. That's what I heard. I heard that it is selling incredibly well. I've heard the songs that have played. Uh, the Morning Show played uh, several cuts of them when Kelsey was on earlier this week. And I've seen a couple of short videos on TV. A couple of things. First of all, Mylotta is an amazingly talented guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he really can sing. And he does a falsetto on Dreaming of a White Christmas, or Blue Christmas, I think mm-hmm. it is. Maybe both. Uh, and he's great. The The one I didn't know was that Lane Johnson can sing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah these guys Johnson can too. carry a tune. He's pretty good. He's very good. Yeah, um, I thought it was just initially kind of a goof of a bunch of guys having fun, saying, hey, our name recognition can do something, we can earn some money for charity. But it appears that actually they've got some musical talent, so bravo to them. It is. Renaissance men along the Eagles' offensive line. Yeah. Oh, it just makes me feel so so honored to have those guys on our team, too. You Absolutely. know, They just seem like such great guys. Yep. I, I was watching on on uh, yeah, YouTube. And man, it is hysterical what they're doing. Yeah, they're having a good time too. It's it's they're, really they're fun. Drinking a lot of bourbon. Did you notice that? There is something in that uh, in those glasses. <laughs> it is a Gentleman dark Jack, brown baby. liquid. I, t- Ted, I have to confess, I am not opposed to drinking a lot of bourbon, just as a general <laughs> rule. I'm right there with you, Michael. <laughs> hey, um, I I cannot see how the Eagles can lose to this Giants team. It just seems like impossible. Do you guys agree? I mean, they have to just show up totally flat. Yeah, it would have to be a complete letdown game where they make mistakes uncharacteristic of them, where breaks go the Giants' way, where the Eagles' bad special team shows up again. A lot of things would have to happen that I don't foresee. We'll make our picks in the next segment, but I think Mike and I kind of both played our hand that we see a, a pretty good win for the Eagles. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Guys, thanks for such a great show. I look forward to it every week. You got weekend. it. Thank so you thank so you much, Ted. much, for checking in. All right, as part of that game tomorrow and as part of what we're seeing for the Eagles, we have had so many moments like this. Hurts is rolling. Hurts is looking. Hurts is running. Hurts is scoring. Jalen Hurts. Thank you for that, Damian Wilson. Um, <laughs> so, Mike, you have a column yes. that I think just uh, landed today, correct? It is. It's online today. It'll be in uh, Sunday's paper. Okay. And you are you are proposing that Jalen Hurts is having one of the ten greatest seasons uh, in Eagles quarterbacking history. So run, run me a little bit through that column. Sure. So the way I wrote it was to take Hurts' season in a way kind of out of consideration and just acknowledge that it's already one of the ten best that – an Eagles quarterback has ever had. And I, and I did limit this. I didn't mention this in the column, but I, I limited it to the best season that any particular quarterback would have had. So yeah, I noticed nobody was in it twice. Nobody so was in it twice, yeah. Cool. And I did that on purpose. So my feeling right now, and, and I go through, you know, the entire history of the team. I mean, I go back to Tommy Thompson in 1948 and, of course, Norm Van Brocklin in 1960, which to me is still kind of the gold oh, standard. It's, it's, you get Ray all the time. I know, I know. Um, but that leads to kind of the conclusion that I draw, which is that the reason Van Brocklin's season is, I think, the best in franchise history is because not only was he the MVP of the league that season, but the Eagles won the NFL championship. And so Hurts right now is on track to conceivably do both of those things. He's a front-runner for the MVP, and his team has the best record in the NFL. So theoretically, we could be in the midst of seeing the best season an Eagles quarterback has ever had when you combine individual achievement and team success. I think that's pretty pretty amazing when you think about it. It is pretty amazing. Um, it, obviously, it, it has to play out. You know, we, we keep talking about what does he have to prove, right? And he's yeah. proven he can throw that pass, and he's proven that he can lead a team, and he's proven that he doesn't throw dumb interceptions, and he's he's checked every single box so far that he's had to check. The box he needs to check, and the one you mentioned, Van Brocklin, mm-hmm. right, is he's got to win in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, that's how quarterbacks are measured, right? Unfairly sometimes. Sure, but no, right? I'm, you're right. You know, it's funny, Glenn. We talked earlier in the show about the way that the view of Carson Wentz changed uh, over time. You know, he went from being the savior of the franchise to being a bit of a villain in Philadelphia. And to your point about winning playoff games, you know, that— was part of what propelled Donovan McNabb to such heights of popularity early in his career, right? You know, his first full season as a starter, they win their home playoff game against Tampa Bay. And his second full season as a starter, they get all the way to the NFC Championship game as a bit of an underdog. And you're right, those sorts of notches in your belt uh, are, are, in the end, what quarterbacks are measured by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um it so. is a great season. It's the parallels, man. It, yeah, it, the parallels yeah. between he. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm I'm, That's okay. I'm losing my voice now. He and Wentz are amazing. With the difference being, we have full faith that he's not going to turn into the flighty right person that Wentz ever. Was. Right, and and the fun part about this, I think, as somebody who grew up rooting for the Eagles and now has covered them for a while, and I'm sure a lot of people who have lived in the area and followed the team, feel the same way. You know, on the one hand, obviously, 
the Eagles have not had the success of as a franchise of, say, the New England Patriots or the San Francisco 49ers or the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, those sorts of franchises that have won five, six Super Bowls. Um, But the fun part of the exercise of going, of writing a column like this, of going back through their history, is the variety of quarterbacks and seasons that they've had. You know, you get get a guy like Sonny Jurgensen in 1961 who throws 32 touchdown passes. You get Randall Cunningham in 1990, who's the NFL MVP and... Runs oh, for almost 1,000 yards. That Randall 1990 year was great. I yeah. mean, what you don't get is the postseason, as you noted. But e- that, exactly. And gosh, it's, I remember that as soon after I moved to Philadelphia, and he was he was all that. Yeah, and, and it's fun because you're not going through and saying to yourself, okay, which, which one of Tom Brady's seasons was his third best <laughs> with the Patriots? Right, yeah. um, you, you get to do some digging that's really fun into the history of the franchise and the variety of of the franchise. Not all of it's pretty, not all of it's great, but it's fun. So could this end up being the best season that any Eagles quarterback has ever had? Yes, it could. I think, um, look, I I think you start with the years that the Eagles have won championships and how much did their quarterbacks contribute to them. And that's again, why Norm Van Brocklin's 1960 season would be at the top of the list. But by that standard, you can't put Wentz at the top of the list because he didn't finish the season. Not right. his fault, but he didn't finish it. Uh, same thing with Ron Jaworski in 1980. They didn't win the Super Bowl. He makes the list because nah, he had that's a, when he had his clunker. He had he was I think he was MVP of the year that year. Yeah, but, but then he had the clunker in the in, in the, the Super Bowl itself. Yeah, yeah. He, he you know I don't want to pick on Jaws, but he wasn't yeah, great I, in that I postseason. Think, I think Jaws will will Jaws will admit that. Yeah, um, you know the flip side of Nick Foles, for instance, he wins the Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017. But his best overall season is 2013. You know, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, but they don't win a playoff game. So it's all that sliding scale sort of uh, sort of determination. It'd be a fun uh, it's fun story for you to do. It was. Did you rank the ten, or did you do them alphabetically? I did. I I ranked them in in descend in ascending order of excellence. So forward to reading that one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, if you're familiar with the history of the franchise, you know, I don't know that there's anything that's real surprising. Like I'm sure. Ray Dittinger read this and was like, uh, yeah, I knew this already, Mike. Thanks. Well, as long as he didn't say, yeah, but. You know. <laughs> well, you're wrong about this I knew one, this Michael. already from Ray is okay. <laughs> right. Mike, you couldn't be more wrong is what you're hoping yes, not to that's, hear. That's, I don't want to hear that, no. How do you forget about uh, one-eyed Tommy Thompson? <laughs> or did you have one-eyed Tommy Thompson? I have one-eyed Tommy Thompson on the list. There you go. Yeah. God, what a nickname. That's amazing. It's amazing. Born out of the fact that he literally could see out of one eye. Yeah, and and that explains his performance just not to give away too much in the 1948 championship game where the oh, Eagles no. where the Eagles won 7 to nothing and their championship winning quarterback went 2 for 12 for <laughs> 7 yards passing. No, it's that right? Yes. And they won the game? S- yeah, Steve Van Buren on a fourth quarter touchdown run and they beat the Chicago Cardinals 7 to nothing. Was that this game in the snow or was yes. that a different that was yeah. in the snow? Yeah. I Predates me. Not many things predate me. That one does. <laughs> it uh, predates my father, I think. Well, there you go. Let's get to Brian in Middletown. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, uh, Glenn and Mike, man. Thanks for taking my call, man. Always. Good to hear from you, uh, Brian. Yep, yep. No, I always enjoy your work. So, yeah, quickly, since you brought up the whole uh, playoff record, you know, I mean, based upon Donovan McNabb's playoff experience and success, to me, he's sort of at the top of the chain in terms of the top Eagles quarterbacks, although I became an Eagles fan because of Randall Cunningham. But the playoff record is significant. I, I just checked. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Donovan went 9-7 and seven 
yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, that's a lot of playoff games. I mean, obviously, if you're getting to multiple conference championship games, you're, you have to win some games. That's why that whole mock about him not winning big games. No, he won big games. He didn't win the biggest game. Yeah, he, he, he did. I agree with everything you say. He showed up small. Uh, in a couple of in a couple of important postseason games, but he also did win a lot. Brian, I don't think anybody argues anymore with the notion that he's the best quarterback in franchise history. You you sense much pushback on that? Oh yeah, no, 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 not at all, not at all, okay. not at all. And actually, I want to make the connection uh, with Jalen Hurts. I do believe, like you said, it's a, a, a tremendous season. Clearly, we hope he stays healthy. I mean, there are always still so many other variables that can occur. If you know what. You know, when I have McCarson Wentz in his magical season. But I think it's critical for, uh, for Hurts and for Nick Sirianni. You need to start winning playoff games. You know, normally when you look at the uh, sort of the coupling of a coach and quarterback, young quarterback, they normally start winning playoff games early. You know, it's going to happen. You know what this happens. one's like? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what this one's like? And, and you remember uh, McNabb's first playoff game and Andy's first playoff game was – wasn't it that one against the Rams, or did they win their the, first? The first champ, the worst first NFC first championship game. game. Yeah, yeah, the first yeah. the Rams. That's yeah, right. yeah, first the, to me that was kind of last year mm-hmm. when the Bucks came in here and just dominated them. Although the Rams didn't dominate the Eagles that game, um, but I think this is the second year of playoff experience. And Brian, I I agree with well, you. And, and Glenn, I'm glad you pointed out that, that Rams game was the game they they should have won. And that's where you do need. I don't, I don't think uh, Donovan played exceptionally well that day. And, and this is really where a quarterback kind of makes his bones is in, the, in these big spots. You, you need to be able to make plays. And yeah. there's no reason for you to kind of just, you know, give it up to someone else. To, to me, the Eagles should be able to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Bottom line, you're 11-1. Mm-hmm. Everything right now is about positioning yourself to get the number one seed. You get two playoff games at home. I mean, every team in the NFC is flawed. Hell, every team in the NFL is flawed. You look at the top teams in the AFC. You can't tell me that they're perfect teams. They have issues. So, hey, by me, the way, I, let, let me let's exit on this. You tell me what the Eagles' flaw is right now. Uh, well, we, we mentioned special teams. Yes. I know they did better yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah, no, that that yeah. that you're right. It is, and you and. Great call. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Glenn, I would say this, just to Brian's point. The one caveat I would add to Hertz and Sirianni and the whole winning a playoff game thing, which is true. They they have to prove that they can do that. They made the playoffs last year as the seventh team in the conference. And it was the first time that the NFL had gone to a playoff format where seven teams from each conference would make the postseason. Any other year before that, they wouldn't have been a playoff team. And... They got beaten soundly because there was a huge gap between them and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The same thing happened in the AFC. The Steelers backed into the playoffs, and they got routed in their first game and shouldn't yeah. have been a playoff team. So you're right. Like There's a concern there, I think, and rightly so, that, okay, let's see how Sirianni and Hurts perform You know, once January rolls around. But we can overstate the chances that the Eagles really had in that game against the Buccaneers. They really by all previous standards, were not a playoff team last season. Tom Tom Brady just picked them apart. Yeah, he destroyed them. And and Hurts did not play well at all. No, no, he did Uh, not. And that's, again, first time in the playoffs, young player. Hurts last year, this year, is such a different player. Hey, one quick thing uh, before we go to the break, and we'll come back and get more phone calls. Um, 
a lot was made this week about ESPN somehow coming up with some kind of analytical formula that has the Cowboys as prohibitive favorites to get to the 50-50 chance to get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, 33% chance to win the Super Bowl. Listen, I think the Cowboys are pretty good. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm-hmm. But how did the Cowboy? What did the Cowboys do in crushing the hapless Indianapolis Colts that suddenly made them the best team in the league? Well, I think it's a combination of that and they're crushing the Minnesota Vikings a week or two before that too. Uh, and I think it's also let's let's be very frank here. Um, you get the combination of a couple of things at work there. I think you have um, analytics, which. You know, a number of media outlets and even executives and coaches around the NFL and all sports rely on quite a bit. Uh, they can be relied on too much at times. Uh, and I think you have a situation where it benefits certain news outlets and websites and television networks to have the Cowboys be the favorites in the Super Bowl. It just does. I'm not saying that they game the numbers. Yeah, I don't trust ESPN either. Yeah, and I just think it's a matter of, hey, if, if there's a way for us to say that the Cowboys are the favorites, that's a good thing. Uh, it'll be proven out on the field. It just will. Um, I don't think the Cowboys are a better team than the Eagles, uh, despite what those analytics might say. No, I don't see it. I mean, you know, it, yes, you're right. Long way to go, but I just thought that was kind of – I'll say it. ESPN's an ass and has been for a number <laughs> of years, and that's that's what I think. Okay. Two don't sugarcoat five. it. Tell us what you really think. No, I can't. ESPN is, is like the evil in sports. I, I can't stand wow. it. Wow. Oh, no, I, I think ESPN – I mean, I've had – I've actually done this show over the years. I think ESPN did a lot to contribute to some very negative aspects in sports uh, in making sports all about the highlight reel as opposed mm. to the game. I think ESPN has a history of finding some story and making it the agenda, which uh, – mm-hmm. I mean, they kept Tim Tebow relevant for oh, two yeah. years after he wasn't relevant in their – Oh, I, I, I covered Tim Tebow's year in New York with the Jets, and uh, it was striking to see how interested ESPN was in Jets training camp up in Cortland, New York, just because of the team's backup quarterback. Right. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Um, I think ESPN has kind of, uh, did kind of invent the, um, hey, let's get two guys and have them have ridiculous opinions and scream at each other for half an hour, which has bled over into our industry and everything else. I think ESPN's big evil. Who, who would go. ever want to do that? You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Hey, United tires holiday specials have arrived. Get some of their best tires at the very best prices. Now make sure your tires are ready for all the holiday travel. Call or go to unitedtire.com for specials or stop by your local United Tire store today. The weather doesn't get better from here, so if you're needing tires, now is the time to take advantage of great savings at United Tire. Don't drive alone. Drive United. Mike Sielski, Glenn Macnow, producer Glenn Wilson on the other side. Great one. This, uh, Great one. I'm Glenn Bow. I'm walking around my house during the commercial thinking, like, is there an Aaron Wilson? Yeah, nobody knows who that I, I, is. I've got the all-time one. You ready? How about, you, how about Wilson the Volleyball? Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Wilson! That's pretty good. Yeah, I was going. I'm sorry. I was, that's, that's very good. I was thinking like Wilson Alvarez, Wilson Ramos, using it as a first name, but Wilson the volleyball is pretty good. I got I, I got a couple more up my sleeve. All right, good. So now. do I. All right. And why are we doing this? Uh, because the previous host forgot our producer's name. Oh, his real name is? Uh... We're not sure. <laughs> okay. We know the Wilson part. The rest, we're not so sure. All Dan, right. This the great hour, Dan Wilson. 
There you go. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Regional Presence Community Touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. We will get back to the calls uh, in just a moment, but we always do try to bring up all four franchises during the show. We, we talked sporadically about the Sixers today who did an amazing thing last night, which is, well, they won. They, 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 the bottom line is they won, but maybe the bottom line is they blew a lead at the end in a mind-boggling way that would seem impossible. You, you said it'd be hard to do it in an empty gym. Yeah, they couldn't inbound the ball. Yeah. I mean, this was like watching an overmatched high school team going against, like, you know, Chester High School at its yeah, one of those ones where like, like the final score is one hundred and twelve. Yeah, 30. they right. just they couldn't inbound the ball. Like they couldn't get it in. They couldn't hold on to it once they threw it in. Uh, they deserve to lose that game. And, and as you said earlier, Glenn, they were fortunate that the Lakers, Anthony Davis in particular, missed a couple of free throws down the stretch. Davis had a chance to put the Lakers up by one with less than four seconds left and miss the free throw. Otherwise, the Sixers lose that game. Yeah. Uh, 23 turnovers for the Sixers last night, five by Harden, seven by Embiid, and you had a column earlier in the week taking Embiid to task a little bit. Look, I think Joel Embiid is a great player, Uh, and one of the lines I had in the column was, when it comes to criticizing him compared to the other superstars in the league, guys who have won championships, guys who I mentioned earlier like Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James— you're talking about what I call the tyranny of small differences, right? Like, but that matters. The fact that the previous game that the Sixers played in Houston, they lose in double overtime, and Bead commits two really bad turnovers at the end of the first overtime and fouls out. You need your best player to be at his best in those moments, and th- there just seems to be, with this team as a whole, an inability to kind of be it at its best when it absolutely has to be. It just seems to be missing something. And I feel like Embiid, as great as he is, is missing that thing, that next level that the absolute immortals have. And again, I'm not suggesting he's a bad player. I'm just suggesting he's a notch below some of these guys. And there's more to be drawn from him. And somehow they've got to find a way or he, to draw it from him or he's got to find a way to produce it. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of other guys that we can look at on the team and say James Harden isn't really doing this and this yeah, guy's he, doing that. But he's he and the coach is really not coaching at any kind of level. You would hope for a team making a deep run in the playoffs, but he is the superstar. He's the cornerstone of the franchise. And yeah, he's gotta, he's gotta look, be he's better. he's not the only problem. Obviously, like we talked about Harden earlier, the the team is not deep. Uh, the bench is inconsistent at best. Matisse Thibel committed a, a silly foul last night that allowed the Lakers to tie the game or at least get close to tying the game at the end of regulation. Uh, the, the backup center spot is still uh, a problem. But Embiid just doesn't seem to have that it thing that a lot of the superstars who have taken their team to greatness have. And if he does have it, he hasn't put it on display yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and... The Flyers lose 2-1 to in Las Vegas last night, the first game of an extended road trip. They scored a goal. Um, they're averaging a league-worst 2.4 goals per game. 
I, I read this big story the other day, I think in the athletic that said like offense is back in the NHL and teams are scoring again. And it's not around. I, here, watched, it isn't. I watched the flyers and I had no idea that scoring was up in the NHL. Nobody told them that offense is back. In no, the NHL. Glenn, they don't have anyone who can score really. I mean, you're talking about if it's not Travis Konechny or Kevin Hayes, neither of whom has been an elite scorer in his career in the NHL, where is the offense going to come from? And again, this this invariably leads to the topic that you and I come back to every week when we talk about the Flyers, which is, you're right, scoring is up in the NHL. The rules have changed to open the sport up. You need high-end talent. How are the Flyers going to get high-end talent? They're going to draft it. What's the best way to draft it? Get a there high draft. Go. There we go. There, Mr. Tankathon. Hey, do you, you want them the to be? Do you want them to be good, or do you want your integrity? Here, here's the good. I always want my integrity. Here's, here's the good news. I don't think we're even going to have to have that debate this year. No, it's not like they're going to have to tank on purpose. They're just going to be awful. The, the other news out of that game yesterday is that they bring up Cam York, who's a prospect, makes the season debut, um, seemed to play pretty well. Um, and in doing so, they bench, they scratch Tony D'Angelo, who yes. was one of the big off-season acquisitions. Apparently, he's a little banged up, but not so much that he couldn't play. Coach sending a message. I, I, well, let me ask you that first, and then I got to follow up to that. Yeah, I think John Tortorella is always sending a message. I think some of the stuff that he has said over the last week uh, about what he wants his role as the coach of this organization to be suggests that, that he's making all these decisions with these sort of things in mind. If you're not playing at a level or with a measure of toughness that he expects out of you or with a soundness defensively that he expects, he's going to sit you down. And he's got all the leverage in this situation. He does. He was their big acquisition of the offseason. And you see some conflict, I think, publicly anyway, between the way he's looking at this season and this team and the way someone say general manager that's it chuck that, fletcher is so there's my follow up my follow up question is and i'm like you know trying to follow what everybody says in all of these news conferences and stuff and you know the coach getting a little grumpy in post game newsers and all that but to me i think the coach is letting it be known that he is not happy with the general manager and i think we are headed toward a schism in this organization between tortorella and Fletcher, and I think Tortorella wins. I think he absolutely has to win. He's the guy who was brought in to, as you, as he himself kind of put it, get the organization back to its footers, right? Yep. They have yep. to break the whole thing down and build it back up again, and I don't think that's a battle that Chuck Fletcher is going to win. Nope, I don't either. And, and by the way, th- this would not break my heart. Look, they have... He he has not distinguished himself as a general manager since taking over. Having said that, that that's, also— That's a very gentle way to put it. Well, here's the other thing. It doesn't distinguish him from a lot of the people who have been in charge of the Flyers over the last 20 years. Yeah, um, well, you know, we've talked about this. The, the organization never adjusted to the salary cap. Never. It didn't matter whether Ed Snyder was owning them or Dave Scott was overseeing them now. They never have figured out how to build a winning team in a salary cap era. Yeah. Uh, let us say hi to Nick in Collegeville. Good uh, afternoon, Nick. Good afternoon, guys. Before I forget, let me, in case we don't speak again this year, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas to all. Thank, Thank you, Nick. And Kwanzaa, everybody, and, and anybody I've forgotten. And, nice. uh, Mike, to piggyback, wait, did we just casually support a tank for the Flyers? I haven't been casual about it, Nick. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm in full-fledged <laughs> support of it. 
I'm looking at Glenn when it came comes to uh, <laughs> the 76ers. <laughs> I um I am I am anti tank. Uh, right. I think the good news with the Flyers is they're not going to have to try to tank. They're just going to be all. Right. Here's my thing. If I can finish uh, with Army Navy, quick point. Um, I feel like Mike to piggyback on say Jalen's maybe top ten historical quarterback seasons. Mm-hmm. Can we now say maybe in the last ten to twelve years that in the NFC side, the Eagles have been the best team in general. I mean, I, I've been down on them. I was down on them, you know, right after Chip Kelly and, and some of the Howie season drafts. But if you look at it now, we won a Super Bowl. We got to one. We lost. Uh, they've been exceptionally competitive. Are we the best NFC team in the last 10 to 12 years now? I, I don't know if if the Eagles are the best team in the NFC over the last decade, Nick. But I will say this. There have been two situations now that have come up where Jeffrey Lurie deservedly was criticized for having the franchise, for lack of a better way of putting it, and pardon the metaphor, blow up on him, okay? Right. In 2015 with Chip Kelly, and then at the end of the 2020 season with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. And out of both of those situations, out of Chip Kelly... Within two years, the Eagles were Super Bowl champions, yeah. and now within yeah. two years, they're eleven and one and the best team in the league. So after we kicked our quarterback out, yeah. our, our MVP, right, possible QB, yeah, or yeah. he and he kicked himself out to a large right. degree. I'm sorry, right? No, exactly. yeah. but yeah. I think your that, point is well taken. That sometimes we get so fixated in Philadelphia on the Eagles and what they're doing well or not doing well in the moment that we miss the broader picture. You could be a fan of the Washington Commanders. You could be a fan of oh the New York God. Giants. <laughs> you know, you could be a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even and, Tampa Bay, who who was horrible for thirty years, and they won a Super Bowl. And now, once you know the great one supposedly retires, it's but yeah, they're going to the, they're going to be in deep rebuild at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. Let me finish my West Point thing. Uh, not West Point. My uh, Army Navy game. Sure. Uh, can we just appreciate our servicemen? And everybody involved. Do we always have to pick a fight politically? I, I mean, appreciate what no. you just that, said. That gentleman's Thank you. been in jail for a while, not just this president. Yeah. All right, you got it. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're you know, Glenn, we're not a political talk show. I think I think that's we are not. I do that after the show with my wife. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Although she mostly agrees with me. So. Well, you're brilliant. Why wouldn't she? All right, Mike Sielski, It is time for the folded piece of paper. Which exactly, well, that's it. Yeah, you got to drag it across the microphone. <laughs> See, Mike, this is, the, you'll learn this after I know, years I know. of radio. It's, it, uh, those sound effects took me 30 something years to perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, which accurately predicts tomorrow's score of the Titanic tilt up in the Meadowlands between the New York Giants and your Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, what do you see? As we've discussed the entire show, Glenn, I would be incredibly surprised if the Eagles did not win this game and did not win it fairly easily. I'm not sure where the Giants have an advantage defensively compared to the Eagles' offense. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley's status uh, puts presents a major challenge for the Giants in terms of moving the football. I'm looking at this as Eagles 31, Giants 10. Ooh. Well, that's pretty interesting because we have the same margin of victory. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Who would have thought exactly three touchdown different blowout? Um, I don't know how Saquon Barkley is going to play. I'll be surprised if he is uh, successful. He's He is banged up, uh, and he has exceeded 65 rushing yards only once in the last five games, uh, averaging 3.3 yards over that stretch. 
where they are 1-3-1. and one. They got off to a quick start. It was an illusion. Thought so then, think so now. They got a lot of injuries. Uh, Adoree Jackson, who's a very good cornerback, is out. Leonard Williams, defensive line, is out. They lost their safety during the bye week, Xavier McKinney. Yeah. He had a hand injury on a sightseeing tour in Cabo. I'm thinking cutting limes. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> Wait, made one too many gin and tonics, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, they're just not very good, and they are hurt, um, and the Eagles are rolling on every cylinder. I think the Eagles go in and beat them 35-14. to 14. So, so there uh, you go. We're pretty much in that same zone. It's, it should be it should be a nice day. We could be wrong. We don't think so. Yeah, we were wrong last week. Um, we had the – at least I had the Eagles winning, not you. No, I was really wrong. I had yeah. them losing. Um, yeah. But I, no, nobody, I don't think, anticipated that the margin of victory would be that big. So no, we'll see. not at all. All right, 215-592-9494. We come back. Uh, Producer Ben Wilson is going to tell us what we forgot to talk about today. Former Flyers defenseman. B-E-H-N, that's correct. Uh, Is your home in need of new windows and doors? Have you decided to brave through one more cold season before making the plunge? Well, let me tell you why acting now will not only keep your family feeling warm all winter long while lowering your high heating bills, it's also going to save you big bucks with the big end-of-the-year sale from the great people at Guided Door and Window. Guided is bringing back their biggest discounts of the year. Now, you get 40% off every window you buy. Yep, 40% off each professionally installed window. You also get 40% off any door, including entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And don't worry about touching your holiday money because Guided will start your project with no money down and allow you to pay it off interest-free for up to 12 months. If you need new windows and doors, you need to go Guida right now. Take advantage of these huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires December 31st. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now. Goldbirds Radio coming up next with James and Elliot. What do you got planned for the rest of the day? Uh, I am actually heading right out of the studio and heading to Center City to Love Park. My wife and my two sons are on a train right now, headed to Suburban Station. We're going to do the Christmas Village. Oh, so nice. And then we're going to do an early dinner uh, in the city. So it should be great. You're going to park tonight, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. Good for I am. you. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it very oh, you'll much. you'll enjoy it. It's, just, yep. it's so I uh, love it there. Love oh, it's it. great. It's great. How about you? You uh, still hanging out in, in the <laughs> basement me? and watching what? TV? How about me? I'm home. A lot. My wife's leaving the house, uh, and I am uh, on my, I believe, my last day of COVID quarantine. So I will uh, just, uh, I'm reading it. I'm reading a book. I'm watching shows, and if I get the energy, I'm, I got something I want to write up. So that's pretty much it, but I am. I am allowed in in three rooms. I'm allowed in this. I'm allowed in the spare bedroom. I'm allowed in my office, and am I allowed in the basement? My basement is it's it's the it's your domain. Yeah, cave. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's got the pool table and the uh, pinball and the big screen TV. So it's not like I'm you know in a, in a dungeon. But that's pretty much all I've seen for the last nine days. And then hopefully tomorrow I actually get out. I hope. I hope so. I hope there so. You you've been you've been had a rough week, man. That's. Yeah, Again, what the the COVID I have is pretty mild, so I will not complain at, at all about about these restrictions. I may whine, but that's about it. Uh, <laughs> totally Matt different in Florida. Let's say one more call. What's going on, Matt? Hello, how are you? Hi, Good. Matt. 
Hey, um, I just wanted to give a hat tip to Ray. Love listening to Glenn and Ray, but Mike's doing a great job. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I love the reference to Reservoir Dogs and Bare Naked Ladies, so uh, I'm feeling where you're coming from. (laughs) (laughs) Got to represent Generation X here, Matt. Yeah, right. I love it. Um, I just wanted to call, hopefully end the show with Jalen for MVP. Uh, I think that he is proving everybody, you know, showing what he can do, and it's uh, really listening to the people talk about, you know, playing against him. He's very, very difficult to plan against and to execute against, and I I think that he needs more recognition. Yeah, you know, I I think what's interesting about that, Matt, is – Think of the inverse, right? Think if Jalen weren't playing well with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside and the best offensive line in the NFL. He'd be getting crushed, right? So the fact that he has those advantages and is is playing as well or better than any quarterback in the NFL, you can't really hold that against him. You can only hold it against him so much, I guess, is what I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like I said, he, he should get it too, and uh, he's going to show it again tomorrow, and the Eagles are going to uh, whoop some giant butt. I think so. I think uh, I think he should. he's going to have a great day by all accounts. All right, let us go to our producer, Tom Wilson. It's the last one I could come up with, the dirty hockey player. Unless no, you got no. no. Did you flip? Did you flip? You Wilson? already did flip. I, did I, I, I would say that. What do you got? Zach Wilson. Nancy Wilson. Zach Wilson here has done a better job as a producer than he did as the Jets quarterback this year. Oh, oh, wait, I got one more. Okay. Zach Wilson is good, but we'll go to Hall of Fame producer Hack Wilson. Oh, 191 RBI in one year. There you go. Wore a size six and a half shoe. There you go. Uh, what's going on, Hack? Well, hopefully, unlike or unlike Willie Wilson, I don't strike out to end the show here. So that's kind of what I'm Ooh, going for. Good here. work. Well yeah. done. First of all, our Scheib Vintage Sports Caller of the Day is going to go to Nick in Collegeville. I thought he had a pretty good point about kind of the historical context of recent Eagles play. Uh, so he is our winner. Uh, uh, hold on. Let me let me do that. Read. Congratulations to him. He gets a $50 gift certificate to Scheib Vintage Sports with his story in every stitch. Shop their Center City or Wayne locations or check out ScheibSports.com for unique gifts for every sports fan on your list. And there were a few things uh, I thought we forgot to talk about. Number one is coming up here at the top of the hour, just not too far from where Mike and I are currently, uh, Temple is playing Penn at the Palestra, and they are going for their first outright Big Five title since 2010. Uh, the reason I bring it up, besides just being a Temple guy myself, is that I know Mike had you know mentioned this last week, and there was a story in the Inquirer uh, by his coworker Mike Jensen this week about the possibility and serious movement on a potential Big Five tournament. I know this kind of thing has been going on up going on up in Boston with the bean cup for years. Yeah, the um, bean pot. Or the bean pot, I should say, not the bean Come cup. On, the bean pot. I went to that was bean I know pot the bean pot. They have I a was TV Boston garden every University, year. man. We dominated. Yes, so they have the bean there. pot the, the, it's premise, the greatest. for anyone who doesn't know, it's all the local area schools play in a tournament. Would you guys be in favor of a big 5 tournament at the Palestra or wherever every year as opposed to the current like lackluster round robin that exists in modern day college basketball here. I think if they can revitalize the city series, they can they should try. I wonder how close it can get to what it once was. The students who go to those universities now uh, come so much more from outside the area than they once did that I think it's going to be hard to replicate the rivalries and the sense of passion that the Big Five used to have. But if you make it an annual, th- I agree with you. But I, I do think, and it can't be what it was, but it's still, if you make it an annual thing. And by the way, let's invite Drexel, all right? Sure. You oh, know. no, hey, absolutely invite okay. Drexel. Let's yes. invite Drexel. 
Uh, I'm not sure how you do a tournament with six teams. Maybe you're going to invite two more, Delaware, Penn State. I don't know. But you make it the the Liberty Bowl, in, Liberty Bowl, Liberty Bell Invitational, something like that, mm-hmm. right? The, the bean pot, literally they give away a bean pot at the end and they skate around the ice with the bean pot and it's all very cool. So you make a trophy. You do like all that corny stuff that makes it fun and you build it up and I think it will be the best thing you can have short of everybody caring about the big five the way they used to. So, yeah. No, I just think one singular event over a weekend would be like a cool way to do it as opposed to what they're doing right now. Uh, Second thing I wanted to get to, we hit briefly on uh, the Phillies offseason thus far, specifically Trey Turner. I kind of just wanted to make mention of the fact that literally two years ago, uh, this team, before Dave Dombrowski had been hired, did not have a front office in place to even give Didi Gregorius a qualifying offer, and now they've done a complete 180 and are like headlining the winter meetings. I just think it's pretty remarkable. Total culture shift. Good on Dave Dombrowski. Good on Dave yeah. Dombrowski is right, and then the they, final. They do, I mean, they dominated the the winter meetings. They 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 ruled. They get an A plus on what they've done so far. And Trey Turner season. making mention of how loud the fans were and oh, how yeah. mm-hmm. big a deal Bryce Harper oh, is. I mean, it's, it's it's heady times to be a Philly fan. That's no for question. sure. And the last thing I was going to get you guys add on here is in honor of Army Navy, one of my favorite sports and just even uh, just political and U.S. history trivia questions. So in honor of Army political, if you would. Please. No, no, I, I am. It's not a an opinionated thing. I, I know. It's uh, So in honor of Army-Navy, there are five universities, or five schools, I should say, in America that have produced quarterbacks and U.S. presidents, Navy being one of them, with Roger Staubach and Jimmy Carter. Do you by chance know any of the other four? Wait, five schools that produced U.S. presidents and Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks. Oh, and Super Bowl-winning Well, quarterbacks. Michigan's one. Michigan's one, Tom and Brady, Gerald, Jimmy Gerald Ford. Ford. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Is there a president went to Notre Dame? Is there, I'm, I'm trying to think. Of I don't know. I'm thinking of recent presidents. Um, Arkansas ever have a, uh, the Super Bowl quarterback? No, oh, Arkansas. Okay. Not Occidental. No. That's where Obama no. went. No, I was going to say Reagan went happen. to Eureka College. I don't think there's no, ever been a Super Bowl Virginia, quarterback there are a lot of presidents there. from Virginia back in the day. Boy, it's a good question. If we had about three hours, I could yeah. probably slowly... <laughs> Come up with them over time, but I can't. So give us the answer. So the other three, one of them is our current president, Joe Biden and Joe Flacco. Both went to Delaware. Ah, yes. Stanford. Stanford. (laughs) That was the gimme, too. Stanford produced John Elway and Jim Pluckett, as well as Herbert Hoover. And the Uh, tough one, I I think. I wouldn't have gotten the Hoover. I know he's from Iowa. I didn't know he went there. The last one, which I think is the toughest, is Miami of Ohio, Ben Roethlisberger and Benjamin Harrison. Wow. (laughs) And and not only Miami of Ohio, not only Benjamin Harrison and Ben Roethlisberger, but the great Reuben Frank. Oh, there you go. Boy, tough to put those three in order. Yeah, how about it? All right. Uh, great job, Dan. Great job, Mike. Uh, I will be on tomorrow for the pregame at 10 o'clock. By the way, this hour was brought to you, I should tell everybody, by Meridian Bank. Regional Presence Community Touch Meridian Bank Innovative Business banking for entrepreneurial success. Stay tuned. Go Birds Radio with Elliot Shore Parks. James Seltzer coming up. Mike, enjoy your day in Center City. Glenn, enjoy your day in your man cave. Yeah, that's about it. All right, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.